Mario Lima. Dylan Titus. Why is my computer like slowing down? What's going on? Uh, uh-oh. Huh. Okay. Well, I think we'll be good. We'll be good. Okay, let's try, let's try that again. Let's try it again. Let's try are, again. We, are we ready to take a blood oath? I think we are. <laughs> do you know <laughs> what a blood oath is? Um, well, I could do it in Conry accent. I don't know if I do it particularly great. I, I've Conry. cut my hand open the way they do in movies. So if we smear it <laughs> against each other, like if you cut your hand open and we smear our blood against each other, I'm sure that will That's have perfectly. no negative repercussions whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's, I, I think that's a good place uh, to start it. Let's take our blood oath, huh? Mario Lima. Perfect. Let's, Dylan Titus, what's going on, brother? Oh, not much. I just got back from a small... Christmas concert by my uh, my sister has joined the uh, local um, choir and they did their Christmas concert oh. and it blew my goddamn mind because they did a version of the Twelve Days of Christmas where each day of Christmas was a different like musical time period. So the first section, the first day of Christmas was Gregorian chant, and the twelfth day of Christmas was like sixties Americana. What? Yeah, it's like completely different. Yeah, it was a trip. Ins- like uh, uh, I think the eighth day of Christmas was Ride of the Valkyries. <laughs> really? It was phenomenal. <laughs> I gotta say, oh, wow! Wow! wow. That's, if, if they do another one, I want to see yeah. it. Jeez. So an, an hour well spent. Um, and now there I'm here, go. sitting at my computer, uh, adjusting my levels. And uh, how are you, Mario? I'm doing well. Long day of. Editing and working on stuff, and of course, watching this film, I kind of like watch it in two parts. It's not that long of a film, but like, I was like, let me put one hour down. I got some work done. Finished second hour just about like just about an hour ago. Uh, so, which was good. I feel like I need a little bit of processing in halfway through this film. Marination time. Uh, yeah, of course. This is Connery Curious. You guys know every week we get together here to talk about a Connery film, but we're not alone this time, Dylan. No. Who, who is? Who, who has slipped their way into the Connery Zoom call here? Why don't you introduce yourself, Ryan? So um, my name's Ryan Hall. I run a kind of film style on Instagram. I've been doing it for, ooh, I reckon, uh, overall about six and a half years. Wow. I started wow, off pretty, okay. yeah, so I started off pretty slow. And then, you know, I just needed a hobby. Always like movies, like James Bond films, especially were like, since I was a kid, um, I remember my grandparents buying me some VHSs and it would have been the Connery. What, I think it's Dr. No and from Rush With Love. I got it when I was about 10. But I had seen James Bond films before that, but some of them, I reckon Diamonds Are Forever. Um, mm. May have seen, I like Living Daylights, Timothy Dalton, because at that point, because I'm born in 1986, so like we didn't have Pierce Brosnan until 95. There's that gap. 89 to 95 where there was just like nothing so you just watch the ones on vhs Mm. so it's always yeah it's always been around well what's your history with sean connery specifically well my father's scottish so he was always important my dad's born near edinburgh oh scotsman 
Um, still hasn't become an Australian citizen. It's been here since the 60s. Um, and yeah, so and I and my grandmother, who we called Oma, which I believe is German, that's what you want to be called, but she's Scottish. She was hung out a lot in Edinburgh. She's probably about three, she was three years older than Conry, but I believe she actually knew, from what she said, she knew Conry's mum. What? Back in really? Yeah. Really? And she actually used to make comments about Conry. I don't know if she knew Conry, because he probably got a, like he was, you know, like he was in like, wasn't he in like the Merchant Navy? And he, you know, I don't, he was. Was he? Yeah. He think he left, he think left was, pretty yeah. like early from home. Um, so I don't think she knew Conry specifically, but she knew his mom and she always used to say Conry's cradle as a baby was just a drawer. They just put him in a drawer. Oh, like yes. Yeah, so I, I had an open that. drawer with a blanket and that's how poor they were. That was just trying to tell me as a kid, wow. that's how poor Conry's family was. Wow. Well, we actually just covered, I think now a few months, two months at least now, we actually had a documentary uh, about Edinburgh. yeah yeah about edinburgh uh, where yeah. he kind of showed where he went to school and all that but it was mostly like a tourist thing where it's like yeah this is you know come down to edinburgh it was done he for really scottish airlines people scottish airlines it was so it played on planes i guess and airports and stuff um but yeah it was interesting to see like a little glimpse into his younger life like that that's what mm. i'm more connery curious about is just like what 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 was he like before and we we cover a lot of his younger films too. And, yeah, um, he did *Frightened uh, City*. I haven't seen that yet. I've got a copy. I haven't watched it yet. I'll give it a watch. But I'm it's planning on. I'm going to listen to the, your podcast on it. Um, but yeah, that's a pretty early one. That's before he was Bond. Yeah, yeah, because we right ju- we just covered like yeah. I feel like we just kind of covered his history before Bond because before that mm-hmm. we did uh, Darby O'Gill and the Little People. Yeah, and that was apparently the film that people say was what got him the job as Bond. I reckon it. Wa- I reckon it was. I saw that kid. I reckon that, that that film as a kid on TV, like you know, like a twelve o'clock, one o'clock movie on like a Saturday, and yeah. it was. I always found it really strange. I already knew that Sean Connery was James Bond and he's singing in it. I always thought that yeah. was bizarre. As a kid, I was like, oh my God. Connery well, had a number singing. of Connery singing at this point. What else I have you seen? I think he has a bad voice. But both, no, it's pretty good. We get, we get him singing in the shower in The Rock and then humming in the shower yeah. in The Frightened City. If only he was singing in the shower in Ransom. That would have been oh, right. that would have been perfect. Yeah, that's another one I haven't seen. He's he's got such an interesting film. Oh, he's singing in the bath and family business. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to. Yeah, he is. So, yeah, there we go. I, I love knew there was another business. bathroom related singing. Family business is a um, that's an interesting film. That's like a lot of these films, like because I think being born in the middle '80s and VHS was such a big thing in the mm. like the early mid. Late nineties, until DVDs took over. Mm. Still, some really random films as a kid. And my parents were pretty open to like, oh, uh, you know, like if you wanted to watch, I don't know. Like, I remember my dad took me to the cinema to see Last of the Mohicans when it mm. came out, and I'm like six or seven years old. That's and he's like, no, this choice. is my favorite book. He's like, my it's my favorite book, and Daniel Day Lewis is in it. Who I had no idea who Daniel Day Lewis was, but this is a really cool book. They took me to see that. And I remember him having to like shield my eyes when it's like some of the violent scenes. But yeah, um, it's an interesting time looking back now 
and I've got young kids too. And what I don't want to show them on like movies, but in the nineties, parents were like, oh, whatever. He's watching, you know, The Rock, which is pretty violent, I guess. This is a pretty mm. violent film, yes. But, yeah, people but just, it's a delightful really, violence, I will say. It's, it's a it's delightful a pretty, violence. Pretty fun violence in that movie. Some of it goes <laughs> overboard for sure, but some of yeah. it is, is a blast. Yeah, and I guess yeah, Connery was always around because my dad's from, he was born near Edinburgh, but he came over when he was like 11 or 12. But my grandparents were from Edinburgh, very thick Scottish accent, which I could always understand quite well because my dad's Scottish, even though I can't really hear it, like even like we hang out a lot and I still can't really hear his accent. But weirdly, people say I sound like him on the phone and they go, oh, is that, is that, no? I think, no, it's, it's Ryan. And I don't think I have a Scottish accent, but maybe some of my pronunciation is more UK than maybe Australian. I don't know. But Connery was know, just you always did, You around. did just say Australian. So. Yeah, Australian. Yeah, Australian. <laughs> I can do Connery kind of. Let's um, hear it. But I, uh, okay, pal, why the Mohaska? Well, no, no. You, the, there wasn't one. There was one S in that sentence. You need to. Yeah, was. Well, yeah. Give um, give us a sentence right, littered do, with S's. All right, because we're doing untouchables. I'll do the um one of the famous ones. Because you want to get Capone, here's how you get him. He pulls a knife, you pull a gun. He sends one of yours to the hospital, you send one of his to the mall. That's the Chicago way. And that's the way you get Capone. Is that all right? There I'm, it is. Look, there I'm going is. into it's. it's it's a danger guy. I was almost saying German by the end. <laughs> well, it's, well, it's interesting. Yeah, uh, it is me, like, Sean Connolly. Yeah, yeah. Like a deeper voice German accent. Oh. No, higher voice. Higher? He is uh, very excited to be Sean Connolly. Okay, you end up like you Christoph Waltz from Glorious Bastards or something. It's weird. With his oh, delicious I, I love milk. Christoph Waltz. <laughs> but yeah so Conry's always around and he was so super famous when i was a kid i don't know if there's anybody didn't know who sean Conry was like for kids my age growing up through the like late 80s 90s he was so super famous like and he was still making a lot of like he made a lot of movies as he got older like mm, it's amazing yeah. like probably him and maybe well I, I watched a lot of films like john wayne films like i like westerns and you think John Wayne, like, he made films pretty much right up till he died, effectively. Mm. And really, like, Sean Connery, Sean Connery sort of got to the point where he's like, he's older Sean Connery now, and then he sort of retired, which is different. But they both had really long careers. There's not many that had such a long, I would call a movie star leading man career. Mm, I don't think yeah. as At the top level that Connery was still at. By like even what's the one of the last ones he did, uh, the superhero one, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. He's still a movie yeah. star, effectively when he does that film. Mm. Well, we're gonna Absolutely. have to see by the end uh, when we watch Sir Billy as our last episode. Yeah, yeah Sir uh, yeah, Billy. Yeah, that sounds interesting, Sir Billy. So he's, gonna... is he narrating it? No, he he's the lead voice actor. Oh, he's the lead. So it is his last lead part. Yeah, it's his yeah, last. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, that was what year again? Sir 2012. Billy is? 2012, 2012 so. yeah. 
So yeah, that's that's right towards the end for him, uh, career wise. Mm. Yeah, I did, he didn't really after League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. He never was physically in front of the camera, was he? Not that, that much, no. No, maybe t- TV here and there. You TV, see him at, the, yeah. at ten- tennis matches. Tennis yeah. matches, and, but he always yeah. sort of looked the same. Like he he effectively was sixty five for many years. Yeah. He looks oh, yeah. effectively the same. Which is funny, yeah. Like we've we you know a film like Ransom, he looks like he's in his fifties, mm. but then the same year in The Great Train Robbery, he is the yeah. sexiest sex beast ever. Yeah, <laughs> he's got such a strong face, and it's interesting. Like we're we're going to be talking about Untouchables, where he's like, he's probably like 57, 58. He makes Untouchables, and it's probably almost in his later career the most important film probably he made. In, in many respects. Mm. Um, he, yeah, it's, he's got such a strong manly face, like the, his jaw and, you know, it's sort of like the older face I think everybody wants necessarily, like nobody gets it, but he had it for like, he looked effectively the same once he got to 60, like pretty much the same, regardless of mm-hmm. hairpiece, of course. Well, you've, we've brought it up a number of times, but we haven't addressed it. What uh, what film has the wheel graced us with, Mario? That we're, we uh, are this, covering this week. Uh, this week we are we were graced and privileged to cover 1987's The Untouchables, a crime drama uh, with, of course, Sean Connery, Robert De Niro, Kevin Costner, Andy Garcia, and many many more. Uh, this was uh, tremendous to watch. I'm excited to to get into it for sure. Directed by well, Brian De Palma. It's a banger. It's it's really yeah. it's, a, it's a banger of a film. I reckon I saw it pretty young. Like, is I reckon it was on TV in Australia. It was on TV a lot when I was a kid, and I reckon I was probably even eight or nine. And my dad's like, "Nah, the Untouchables are on. We've got to watch the Untouchables." It's just such a good movie it's an i guess it's an action crime film and it's just it's like directed by ryan de palma so you talk all day about brian de palma as well i mean but it's such an important film for him mm. and then kevin costner like it really made kevin costner a movie star more than anything in mm. my opinion mm. oh yeah he's he's tremendous in this uh but yeah so let, let's get into like yeah. the uh the wiki plot here dylan we'll start the discussing trailer voice just do trailer voice, and then we'll go into the discussion of this film. Because I have a, I, I have a decent amount of notes here. Decent amount. As do I. Well, let's get to it. During Prohibition, Treasury agent Elliot Ness sets out to stop ruthless Chicago gangster Al Capone and assembles a small, incorruptible team to help him. Yeah, Fact. pretty pretty much the the really the whole film. Really, okay, hold on. hold on, no, I no. gotta add this because I've never I I wanted to do this, but I had to find the the release date first. So let me add this, and I'll edit it seamlessly. This summer, Kevin Costner, Charles Martin Smith, Andy Garcia, Robert De Niro, and Sean Connery in Brian De Palma's The Untouchables. Coming. To a VHS tape near your store, <laughs> and then cue, cue and then cue the uh, the starting thing. 
with which you could have had as well in a way yeah we'll get into the score for sure later oh yeah you can talk a lot about the score morricone's score is is very good okay so let's we'll get into the wiki as we normally do cover a little bit of it and then we can get into our notes huh Let's huh? do it. I don't know why I and phrased one, it like and that. One, and one thing I wanted to mention, huh? we always take a peek at the Rotten Tomato score. Oh, do that. Uh, yeah, tomato what? Meter was eight, was 83% for Tomato Meter. Right. And the audience score, if you can believe it, is on par with Godzilla minus one. It's also 89% for oh, the yeah. audience score. This is a beloved film. It, beloved. Yeah. Godzilla minus one was so good. <laughs> So good. Did you see Godzilla? I haven't seen Godzilla. Oh, go go see it. Oh, go see it. If you have an IMAX near you that's playing it, see it. Uh, Melbourne's got an IMAX. Yeah, go. Go see it in IMAX there. Yeah, I've heard it. I wish we could have seen it in IMAX. Yeah, it was was tremendous. Yeah. Anyway, so let's talk about this film now. (laughs) Sorry. Uh, Okay. In 1930... During Prohibition, the notorious gangland kingpin Al Capone supplies illegal liquor and nearly controls all of Chicago. Bureau of Prohibition agent Elliot Ness has been tasked with halting Capone's activities, but his first attempt at a liquor raid fails due to corrupt policemen alerting Capone. He then encounters veteran Irish-American officer James Malone, who opposes the rampant corruption and offers to help Ness, suggesting they find a man from the police academy who has not yet come under Capone's influence and still believes in the idealistic aspects of law enforcement. They recruit Italian-American trainee George Stone, whose birth name is Giuseppe Pietri, for his superior marksmanship and integrity. Joined by accountant Oscar Wallace, assigned to Ness from Washington, D.C., they successfully raid a Capone liquor warehouse and start gaining positive publicity, with the press dubbing them the Untouchables. Capone later kills the warehouse manager with a baseball bat to warn his other subordinates. Good start. Yeah. Good start. I'll tell you one thing about this film, man. Uh, I was always on my toes because after that first scene of you were always on my toes. You were always on my toes. Sorry. Thank you. Um, <laughs> the scene in the <laughs> diner when the guy's taken off and the little girl's like, sir, you forgot oh my your God. case. Yeah. And she explodes. That yeah. was like, oh so my God. fucking tense. Every time yeah. I saw somebody with a suitcase, I'm like, they're gonna, it's going to explode. It's going to explode. Like I was like always on my toes for something up until like even the scene of Connery we'll movies and exploding suitcases, huh? Yeah, right. That That's the gadget for this movie. And Ron yeah. is right. Exploding cases. Uh, yes. Um, but yeah, so I thought that was uh, extremely uh, shocking, positively shocking. Um, and uh, yeah, always on my toes for every single scene. We'll talk about like later on, the kind of like where Connery's character ends up towards the end and all that. But yeah, it's very, very. Yeah, shocking. it's yeah. The over like the whole film, it's got like these tense, suspenseful scenes, which is Brian De Palma like was famous for that. But it's all through the film. Like some of the older films have like, you know, one or two scenes like that. But it seems to me there's a lot of tense. It's like you're waiting. What's going to happen? Mm. I don't know what's going to happen. 
Well, yeah, my first oh my, my first note is that De Palma's directing and his world that he creates it feels mm. so surreal. Mm. You know what I mean? It's like a dream. The whole movie feels yeah. like a dream, like mm. a fever dream, but not like a trippy fever dream. Just a just a dream. You know what I mean? Like it it doesn't feel yeah I, I can too real. Yeah. It it feels. I mean, obviously, most of this film is not historically accurate at all no <laughs> um but it just like patricia clarkson's acting she's a very good in this film but she's very dreamlike you know what i mean yeah and when yeah. costner's around her it becomes dreamlike and then that long tracking shot at the beginning of the film through the city square that enters the diner mm that it feels surreal it feels like a dream you know yeah there's definitely a surreal quality it's like a bit like almost like a fantasy film in a way because it's as you said it's not historically accurate oh mm. yes there was the untouchables unit they did a lot of great work apparently in trying to get rid of capone or at least stop him from you know doing all these activities but they it wasn't like it was in the film but it that's the best thing about it. It's just like taking something essentially that's historical uh, and just making it like sort of in a way like a more serious Ocean's Eleven. It's probably the best comparison because that was an yeah. older subject uh, turned into. It's like 11, Ocean Eleven, almost Avengers, Marvel's Avengers. Yeah, more like, like a, a, a team, yeah, something a like team that. Team coming yeah, together, I, take I down the villain. I feel, yeah, I agree with Mario more on that rather than the oceans comparison because that I feel mm. is more reserved for like the Great Train Robbery. That felt like an oceans. Yeah, film. actually, no, you're probably yeah, like an oceans meets closer. Mission Impossible film. Yeah, but yeah, taking some because there was the TV series. Um, which I've never, I've never seen the TV series. I'm no, I was reading about it. It had four seasons. Yeah, Robert wow. Stack, who I've seen in some old movies, um, and I think he was in one of the airplane. He was in the airplane, I think one of those comedy films. Ah. I think he, I think he was in one of those, like a small part. <coughs> what, what was uh, his name? And uh, Robert Stack. So he was a very like serious, square-jawed actor. He was in a few films in the 50s and 60s, and then he sort of went untouchables and essentially probably was more TV actor. Oh, he's Captain um, Rex in Airplane. That's right. He's Captain Rex. Yeah, I'm, he's in he's in Airplane, which is like um, doing, like sort of like like Leslie Nielsen's doing, like really deadpan humor. Yeah. Um, but i never seen the TV show. Apparently it was quite good. Um, had Walter Winchell actually doing the narration who was doing radio stuff in Al Capone's era. But it's so, and when it was based on like LNS's biography. But yeah, the film is just more, yeah, like Avengers, really. Like more like, in a way, like a superhero movie, in a way. Mm. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a team movie for sure. I'm team sorry, I was, just on, right. I was just reading Robert Stack's IMDb. Um, and re identifying him in airplane. Uh, mm. oh, hold on, I'll share my screen so we can all see who he was in airplane. Doop a doop a doop. There he is. That's him. The guy yeah, that looks like oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So he had yeah, sort of like always played straight down the line, heroic parts. Really, 
mm. from what my knowledge of him is. But yeah, so he was Elliot Ness in the in the TV series. But yeah, it's it's an interesting like I guess you could, yeah surrealness to it film, which a lot of Brian De Palma like films are like Scarface. And, and Scarface to go back to Mission of, Impossible as well. That's and a Mission Impossible surreal. Yeah. That's like the most surreal one of the series, and the second one's yeah. fucking directed by John Woo. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, even like his Mission Impossible surreal. So it's and feels a bit like a dream. It's like is Tom Cruise just having a really bad nightmare? I guess you could see it like that. That's a good movie. I need to rewatch that first. It is a good movie. Oh yeah. Um, Just came on Netflix actually. Yeah, I get the the Blu-ray set. We've got a lot of the Mission Impossible films now on a lot of the Australian streaming stuff because I guess the last film just come out. Good. Um, but yeah, so um, yeah, I agree. Like a dream, like mm. a bit of a fever dream, but controlled. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't, it never gets out of control except for the stairway sequence. That oh. That's when the dream starts to break. You know? Yeah. Mm. Um, also, Mario, did you watch the uh, video I sent you? Oh, no, I didn't get a chance to watch it. Uh, um, Ryan, have you seen the Naked Gun 33 and a Yes, third? yeah, okay. Naked Gun 3, I believe. Yes. Yeah, so the... it, yeah, the opening sequence is, I, be, I, th- I believe it's the opening sequence. It's a parody of the stairwell sequence. Yeah, it film. is. And he's having a nightmare in it, Leslie Nielsen. Yes. And it's like babies flying everywhere. Yeah, the, there's four different carriages. There's a lawnmower. Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> oh, yeah, Probably okay, the best part of that it. movie. The best part of best, yeah. the best parody by far. Yeah, I think that might be the best part of that movie. Besides, um, that was... besides the uh, Shawshank parody where he's bringing the dirt out in his pants, and it's so yeah. much that they're like, <laughs> it, the mount- it just becomes a giant mountain of dirt, and they're like playing baseball and <laughs> yeah. sliding into the mountain. Yeah, uh, that, yeah, that's pretty good too. Yeah, yeah. I forgot about the Shawshank <laughs> and the disco bit. The disco bit. Yeah, I guess it is pretty funny. OJ Simpson walks in with an afro that he <laughs> can't fit through the door. Because of all of the stuff that's happened to OJ Simpson, just having him appear in a movie, especially again, as a, like, like I remember that whole thing with OJ Simpson in the 90s. It's just funny that he's in the film, and he's actually quite funny in the movie. Oh, so. he's very funny in those films. Oh, he's hilarious. I'm not going to deny that. But. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so, yeah, the fun, yeah. Which is a really funny parody to the baby, and OJ Simpson's catching the baby. Yes, the and he's like he's like doing the the um, like end zone celebration <laughs> dance with the baby, and, then he, <laughs> and he's about and he's to spike it, and hand. the woman comes and says, "My baby." <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I have to rewatch that. Oh, too funny. My next note on the Untouchables is that tobacco is fine, but liquor is not. Yep. Um, it actually um, made me sort of look up a bit about prohibition because it started when did it actually start it started before, well before the movie set well let's get in the 20s a, i think googs 29 maybe it said it, maybe it was only 1920 to 1933 yeah so it did start in 20 yes yeah and it yeah so yeah, so it's been going then because it's like, is it 1930 or 31 when the film opened? 30. Yep. 30. So it's already been going for 10 years. That yeah. 
And which and so that means this movie takes place over about a three year period because it ends. Yeah, right about when it Prohibition seems is like ended. it. Yeah, they don't explicitly say that time's moving dramatically, but because I think he got he probably got convicted in thirty three, thirty four. Mm. Al Capone in reality, so it's probably about three so years. But yeah, it's interesting the whole prohibition and basically it didn't. It actually caused so many more issues than it was supposed to. You know clean everything oh, up. But yeah, it, nah, just caused... it never tend never uh prohibition never tends to do that. No, prohibition of any any substance. But it's like there's more alcoholics during prohibition than any other time in in American history. So yeah. it was an like huge crime and suddenly these the, the mafia were able to get more control just in general. So it's this cool interesting era and I think that's why the film doesn't really date why you can chuck it on and because it's set in 1930 with period clothes and it doesn't really date mm. Mm. that's what i that's what I, what I think every time i've seen it and it's so it's it's a very specific era and it, it mm. it's just kind of comfy actually i i will say this yeah there was, there was some comfort to a lot of the locations um, oh, the costumes, the yeah. the, the vehicles. Giorgio yeah. Armani, did we see that in the credits? Armani did the wardrobe. I, yeah, I th- believe he did all the wardrobe for every character except Conry. I think Conry got some Armani clothes, and he was like, "No, my character's a beat cop. He's he says he's poor. He's not going to be wearing like custom made suits." I like the outfit he's wearing but, in his apartment, where he's just buttoned up right to the very yeah. top. Yeah, like he's just coming home. Yeah, I can't imagine. I can't imagine going top button at home. Yeah, I think that was that. I think that was an eighties trend. Yeah, maybe that's why that. Yeah, you see it like Tom Cruise in Rain Man. He doesn't wear ties, and he's got the button top button. Hmm. Just done up. No, he's like wearing suits, jackets. He's like this all the time. (laughs) <laughs> but yeah it's apparently connery was like no like this is basically it look, i look too good <laughs> for my character like you know it's it's true he actually looks the clothes that he wears like he wears like more like a corduroy jacket and the vests and then you know he's um, a grandpa basically yeah yes. and with the flat I'm, cap the- i like the flat cap Oh, I love the flat. He wears that quite a bit too. I feel like yeah. Uh, I almost felt like he just wore his own wardrobe. He on this probably movie. did. <laughs> some <laughs> of it may have been because he. Some of the pants he was wearing, like these gray flannel pants, he probably had them. Well, I was reading. Closet. I was reading through the IMDb trivia, mm. which can be done by anybody. But there's one yeah. along the lines of he just showed up from a game of golf and didn't yep. even bother changing, and he's like, "I'm just going to film." Yeah, but it, like apparently top half he was Malone, and bottom half he had his golf pants, or probably check golf pants, golf shoes, and he'd either come directly from golf, or he would get the scenes done quick enough so he could shoot off. I found it here. Sir yeah, Sean Connery turned up to shoot in his golf clothes. They did a close up, and Sean was dismissed for the day. Andy Garcia and Charles Martin Smith grabbed him after the scene and said, "That was very clever of you. You just got back from golf, turn up for five minutes, and do your scene, and that's it." Connery turned to them and said, this is not my first barbecue. <laughs> nice. Don't you mean rodeo? He's, he's, no, um, I'm very he, hungry. He's introduced, in his full, yeah, he's introduced in his full like, police uniform. 
Yeah, and he looks good. Oh, he I does look Mando- good. Oh, I love him in the cop uniform. Mm. It's dope. Just after, well, of course, the scene just after it is like, you know, Elliot Ness, he thinks he's going to get this big bust and he's going to make a big debut. He only just comes to Chicago. And <laughs> it just absolutely gets absolutely shit on. <laughs> Which is gr- great to have him. Uh, have us talk about that scene of him as a cop because that is our first Connery appearance in this film. What do you I got? Have marked down at se- seventeen yeah. minutes, eleven seconds. Oh, I've got it yeah, at seventeen it's... minutes because I, Ooh. when I realized you, that you, that you, was you, him you count, on the beat, you on count the, the far shot. Yeah, when I realized that was him on the bridge, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna yeah. count it. I, I I counted him passing and like turning around and saying, you know, what are you doing now? Whatever. And I've so got his, I, that's, that's what I counted. I've got his first line here. Yeah, he kind of like because that the um and the, the poor little girl, which is hard to watch. Like I've oh, got a brutal. half year old daughter, and she gets blown. And like you know, seeing a little girl get blown up, pretty rough. Um, and then he's uh, yeah. Here we Elliot go. Here's his first line. Town. Now, yeah. what do you think you're doing? Hmm? <laughs> <laughs> just, like he's got you're the notion shit for littering. Yeah, yeah, because um, Costner got the note from his wife. And he, which he read before he goes in to do the bust in the big like, shovel. What, what kind of truck? That big truck? Like, the thing was, it was the dragon from Doctor No. Yeah, it was yeah. like, the, I was like, what are they going to do with that thing? And they I think it's a snowplow type truck. Yeah, it was yeah. definitely a snowplow, but it looked like it had like some kind of like covering too, because it got shot at her or something. Yeah, yeah, it was like a yeah, tank. Yeah, and it's. Yeah, and he invites the um, the you know the um, the photographer in from the paper, and it's like, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna crack this box open. I love that moment. In there. It's umbrellas. It's trying like that those little tiny umbrellas. <laughs> For a split second, I thought it was a giant cucumber because the way it looks. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's like which even would be pretty. Warm. Well, at first, <laughs> at first he starts pulling out like the handle of the umbrella, which I thought was yeah. the top of a bottle. Me too. Yeah. yeah. Like it would, he would pull out a yeah. green bottle of wine I, or something. Yeah, I think they specifically picked it because it looks like a champagne bottle. Maybe, yes, maybe yeah. it's like smuggled French champagne. Yeah, like yeah, French and Canadian then, champagne. <laughs> French what could have been. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, think, I was, I was I fully think... expecting maple syrup or something. <laughs> yeah, maple syrup. But, I was like, what are they going to pull? Yeah, out why of was it a like Asian umbrellas? Justice would be probably even more embarrassing because he's just standing there as like giant cucumbers. Like, and it'd like. be rotted because that's <laughs> an be impractical, impractical way to ship cucumbers. <laughs> and Costner's so like, Costner is an actor. I think he never really, he never used to get credit as an actor back when he was younger. He sort of got more credit as he's gotten older, but he's just standing there with, and he's like this look on his, of disbelief. It's yeah. like, this is the last thing I expected. He's so deadpan in this spot. film. But yeah, he is. Um, I think his performance, you know, we could talk about him separately, but yeah. it is, is great. He has, oh, he has I, a I like journey. It, yeah. yeah, I like it because I've always been a fan of Kevin Costner because, like, when I am was growing up, of that, that like, group of actors, you had Kevin Costner, your Mel Gibson's, I guess Richard Gere to a certain degree, um, but more Costner and Gibson were probably the two biggest of their age group maybe john travolta he had that become like you know he was pretty big but costner and mel gibson when i was a kid were the two the two biggest they're roughly the same age they're both around my dad's age my dad's born in 54 1954 you've got 
Huston's 55. You've got um, Gibson's 56. Travolta's 954. Denzel Washington, 954. They're all pretty much roughly the same age. Hmm. Mm. And then, yeah. So, but I, I, he's got a journey. I like the journey of Elliot Ness. He has the big journey as a character. Mm. I could have, when you brought up Mel Gibson, I could yeah. see um, Mel Gibson in the role of Elliot Ness, strangely. Well, I think he was offered it. And I don't think he could do it because of Lethal Weapon 1. Hmm. He'd already signed on to that and the schedules wouldn't match up. I think he was tossed around. And then, um, who else? Don Johnson. Miami Vice. Oh yeah, you know what? Wow. Yes, Don Johnson would have worked. I was reading that as well that he had auditioned for it, but didn't get yeah. it. And then when Costner yeah. got it, they were friends, and he's like, "You should go and get this role." And didn't tell him yeah. until after the movie came out that he's like, "Oh, okay. <laughs> I got turned down for it, or I turned it down, or something to that extent." Mickey Mickey Rock was offered it. Uh, I think Mickey no. Rock was offered everything at that point. I could but... see Don Johnson in that, but not Mickey Rourke. No, I couldn't Mickey see Mickey Rourke, Rourke is too tough guy. He would have he would have let ego go into it, where I think yeah. Don Johnson could have played it cool. I still think Costa's the best fit because there's this earnestness and like the straight lacedness that the character inherently needs. He needs to be yeah. a, like a really honorable by the book person when especially when the film starts. Um and then there's this journey. To almost the other side, in a way. Mm-hmm. I think I like how they did that. Um, he but yeah, Connery a... comes... I'm sorry. Yeah? Go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say, and then Connery comes in, doing the full the full police. He's having the worst day of his police, like, you know, is he a treasury officer? Um, his policing career, it's all policemen. And he's just, like, pretty depressed, flat, and he's had this embarrassing thing, which is now on the cover of the Chicago Times or wherever holding that umbrella looking like a total asshole, mm. basically. And just with this face, look on his face. And then suddenly, you know, it's now crossed past with Connery's character. And I don't think at that point, that's that first interaction, he doesn't know how important this guy is going to be now in his sort of life. And he's like, I stop like that whole shit meeting. for littering. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he thought, oh, I'm going to get written up. <laughs> now, uh, you said Connery, uh, I'm sorry, Costner, his character does have an arc in this film. Yeah. Um, now, if I'm not mistaken, he is the only of one of our like heroes that doesn't really have a drink through the whole movie. And then yeah. by the end, he says, I think I'll have a drink. Which the real yeah. Elliot Ness died uh, <laughs> drunkard, apparently, and was yeah. involved in apparently an alcohol- alcohol-related alcohol. auto accident. And yeah, uh, yeah, no, so... Yeah, he apparently he's the peak of his career was being in, in like forming the Untouchables and yeah. going after Capone. After that, his life apparently the real guy never really got there. He tried like politics from what I read, and then ended up like a heavy drinker. Ironically, became yeah. a heavy drinker and he was only fifty four when he died, which is not old. Even then. it sounds symptomatic of someone who had been straight laced their whole life, and yeah. then once once that everything they had been fighting for became legal suddenly they had no purpose in life and turned to yeah. the thing that they had been hunting down and then as a result yeah. they went way too hard on it and it ruined their lives that's what that sounds yeah. like kind of yeah that's what it seems that's what it seems like maybe i'm i'm, I'm projecting onto elliot ness um, but um, i'm not an I alcoholic ask, do, I, don't, I don't drink you don't drink yeah i yeah. like a drink but yeah there's all like i've always like pretty controlled like i, I don't want to Ever overdo it? I don't want to get to you know 
I'm one of those people, I don't want to get to the stage where I can't have something, whatever that is. I don't want to overdo it. Now, out of you curiosity, know? what is, uh, we were talking about how prohibition is mm. never helpful and always creates more addicts. You know, mm. I've got my cannabis vape here in my hand. Yeah. And, and in the United States, we, we're seeing a decrease in, um, yeah. in hard drug use um, in states that have legal uh, medicinal and recreational marijuana. I've read that. Uh, cannabis. Um, and I've been in the cannabis industry for years. Um, mm. What, out of curiosity, this is yeah. kind of related, but what's the state of cannabis legality in Australia? Yeah, so Victoria's, we're like, we're probably the more progressive state with, like, you know, cannabis. And, and really, we're the, the state itself, like, we've got a pretty progressive, like, a labor, like, we've got, like, the, labor we call it labor here which is sort of like because you're in the us it's, it's we're sort of like the democrats um so we're they're really pushing hard to legalize it and just decriminalize it um really pushing and a lot of other states are so it, we're not that far behind hmm. it's so becoming it's, a it's, lot more liberal it's currently not legal where you are yeah you can get it medicinally i believe you can get it in vapes and like but it has to be on prescription yeah. Um, yeah. Or you can get the cannabis oil, but yeah, technically, you if you get caught with it, I think you can still. I don't think you get a hard prison sentence, but you would get arrested. I believe it's still drug possession. Yeah. Oh, so in that yeah. regard, yeah, oh. it's still. Yeah. Well. But, um, so you uh, just once, do the once vape. it gets legalized there, then I'll I'll be moving. Down you just do the vape. Oh, I do everything in the cannabis industry <laughs> right now. Right, just, you, uh, I was smoking a vape. joint earlier. I was. Yeah. And now I'm hitting the vape and this is, this is, is a regular Connery curious. Uh, well, it's the state we live in is recreational as well. I was recreational. I, when I, when I started in the industry, it was just, mm. just becoming, uh, legal for medicinal purposes. Medicinal and, purposes. And now it's full medicinal and recreational. Oh, that's um, cool. And prices yeah. are starting to even out. Um, the industry is kind of yeah. starting to, to find its its normal, you know. Hmm. Um, and you medicinally. Oh yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the same same level. It's like yeah, it was. It's always been. We medicated know, around, before we but... saw Godzilla. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Very. You can see it in our review. I think that's why it got so many. Hits. That's it's why I'm eating the laughing. record button. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but oh, it's been a lot better for you than obviously like if you drink too much, obviously you get a lot of health problems, obviously. Oh yeah. I I used to drink I, I, we're going down a, a rabbit hole here, but like yeah, I used to drink yeah. a ton and I kinda like get to a point in your life when you get older. You know, I'm thirty two mm. now and I'm like like why am I doing this? Why am I why am I drinking? Yeah. I don't feel good after this. You look I at the have, alcohol like, and you say, This is untouchable. Untouchable. Yeah, well, and, I uh, prohibit yeah. this. Yeah, I, I drink like I as I said, I had you know a couple of scotches when I was watching Untouchables. Number one because I'm watching a Connery movie, so Scotch and Connery. Apparently, Connery was a pretty big Scotch aficionado um, himself. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, I never want to overdo. I don't want to overdo. I don't want to get to the point where, oh, uh, you know, as Billy, like Billy Connolly, you know who Billy Connolly is, the Scottish comedian. Yeah, you know, he doesn't. He always said, oh, you know. Like he 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 was a really heavy drinker and quit and never drank again. 
You mean from the Boondock great. Saints, the greatest movie ever? Yeah, Boondock ever? Saints. So he's ever? like a huge comedian. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Like, yeah, yeah. Boondock Saints, which is good in actually. Um, That's fine. He's huge in Australia as well. And he, he always said, you know, I never wanted to be like, you know, the doctor says I can't eat drink, you know. He never would A lot of people, and Michael Caine, I've read, they don't want to get to that point where, oh, you cannot have it. If you have another drop, you're going to yeah. drop dead. Yeah, I don't want to. I want to enjoy it, but without, yeah. You said being, Michael Caine was at that level? Yeah, Michael Caine, apparently in the late Whoa, 60s, you're saying of Michael Caine sounded exactly like Michael Caine. Say Michael Caine. Michael Caine. Oh my God, that's pretty good. Yeah, the best thing is to understate Michael Caine's accent. I think because a lot of people go too far when they do a Michael Caine impersonation, and they go, um, "What's the like, you know, you know, like what do you call the Italian girl? Got to blow the bloody doors off. Could go in the real. Supposed to blow the bloody bloody doors doors off. off. But really, he's got a. I mean, in that film, he's more Cockney, but he's actually got a lot softer accent. Than what people oh, yeah. and a softer voice. He's got quite a soft voice, especially when he got older. Yeah, you see him in the Batman movies. Yeah, yeah Batman movies. Uh, yeah. Especially when I make All love that. to him, he's got a very soft voice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he was a good-looking Dylan, man. I'm Michael Caine. No doubt about that. I'm Michael Caine, and I'm coming. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my god. He had anyway, nice, the fun. nice golden sort of wavy hair. Oh, he's Alfie, obviously. But um, yeah. But, but yeah, so. Reminds um, me of another delightful person with beautiful golden wavy hair. Um, what? No, no, anyway. Uh, oh, yourself? Yes. <laughs> Not no. a good head of hair. I think, no, I think Conry would Conry oh, would have wanted you. some of that hair. Oh, thank you. Well, he kind of had one. Uh, I had a head of hair like this on the rock. Oh, I've the got rock a haircut the other day. So I wanted, like, I mean, I always have short hair, but I wanted it short back and sides. Like, you know, Kevin Costner. To me, Kevin Costner's hair, he, to me, it always looks strange when he had long hair. It's like he looks better with short hair. To me, yes, I agree, short hair. I agree I with agree, that. I agree with that. His long yeah. hair looks are weird. But then um, again, some people don't like him with the, I don't know if it's in the bodyguard. He has like the Steve McQueen cropped, you know, the Caesar cut. And hmm. a lot of people at the time were like, like expecting him to have like Dancing with Wolves hair or like Prince of Thieves, which is he can't be a bodyguard with long hair. Well, it's no, get in your way. That's... Well, Steve McQueen was supposed to be in the original bodyguard, so that's he was actually inspired by that look and that, you know the Caesar cut thing. Huh. But um, oh yeah, we better get back to Untouchables. yeah. Let's get back to Untouchables. But um, you're I've talking got... about um, yeah, Elliot Ness doesn't it doesn't well, take a drink the whole way through. Yeah, and then by the end, he's like, I'll consider having a drink. And uh, anyway, <laughs> yeah. so so we got to Connery's first line. Now, I've, I'm going to whittle away my notes here right up until that. So you talked about the photographer. That photographer mm-hmm. is deaf and dumb. Like dumb as in stupid, but deaf <laughs> as in how could they jump like down into an alleyway and sneak mm-hmm. up on that guy, clip-clopping the whole way, and he yeah. doesn't hear them. What is he just fiddling with his camera the whole time? Anyway, um, yeah. then it starts to feel like Tim Burton's 1989 Batman. Mm. Um, Ooh, I have a Batman note later. Okay. Yeah, there is similarities. The style. That, yeah. yeah, the style is very much drawn from that 1930s gangster aesthetic. Um, then uh, Connery is on the bridge and he's looking at the paper. 
How did that mm-hmm. paper get printed so fast? Didn't that yeah. raid just happen that night? Yeah, that, that doesn't bugle. Yeah, uh, co- continuity. Yeah, actually, it's funny uh, you say that. I thought, geez, he got the paper out real quick yeah. with his photo on the front. <laughs> yeah, and then my hey. final note in that section is when he tosses it off the bridge. He kind of gives a little fourth wall break. Did you guys notice that? Yeah. Like he looks right at the ca- into the camera. Yeah. When he's looking down, pointing the gun. No, after he throws the paper, the newspaper what off the bridge. Oh, for that scene. Yeah, okay. yeah. Oh, no, I, reckon, didn't, I didn't catch that. No, no. No. Yeah. Do you reckon he's accidentally done it and they've just kept it in the film? Probably. It's funny that I'll have to rewatch it to see him actually do that. You keep talking. I'll, I'm going to see if I can find. Yeah, and then Con- yeah, Conrad's like, no, what, yeah, like he he breaks. What are you looking at? Yeah, because Deadpool. It's probably if it was me, like look, so Costner's for the pretty early stages of his, you know, major film career. He's probably shocked he was working with Sean Connery. Yeah, would, I would have been like, like, you just would be looking at the guy and going, "Oh my god, I'm just about to see our scenes," and pretty much the entire film with. I've, you know, I, I I bring that up a a, a lot yeah. in my head at least. I'm like, mm. I think of these younger actors mm. like Ch- Charles Martin Smith, who I thought was phenomenal yeah. in this movie. Who looks He's like the as, boss as... from the um, Incredibles? Yes, <laughs> <laughs> with the glasses. Yes, yes. Um, but it's just funny because I'm looking at him. I'm like, I recognize him somewhere else. And then it's a character we talk about too often on this char- on this podcast. Somehow made it into this episode. Mm. Uh, he, uh, is, is what eighty seven, eighty five? Yeah, it was released 87. in eighty seven. Probably filmed 87. in eighty six. In nineteen eighty, about seven years or so before this, he starred in Herbie Goes Bananas. Charlie Martin he's he's one he's he's like one of the he's he's not like a huge character but he's in it a yeah. lot like he they they get the car blah blah, blah. Oh. but it's funny to think that he was in a, a herbie movie that didn't that wasn't like the best herbie movie in my opinion yeah but he went from that to working with costner and connery and de niro yeah. and it's like how, how does that feel uh, to he, a younger actor Charles Martin yeah. Smith. He wouldn't okay. have been that old. I found it. I found the scene in question. Oh, yeah. There's the paper. Ellen at Paul Butterfly. Watch as he throws it off. Ready? Yeah. So young. Hey, he you. <laughs> he does kind of look at the camera. Okay. Yeah. So he he's. Does. Yeah. And he's noticed he's done hey, it. Hey, you. <laughs> maybe. No, maybe he's next. He's not looking in Conrad's direction. So. Yeah. So I reckon he's accidentally done it, Costner. And, and he's just tried to recover with subtle, you know, he's like, got the face and he's like, oh, try to think, try to, <laughs> not, so they don't know that he's actually done it. Yeah. I would say. Or maybe De Palma just liked that take. Yeah. Maybe. But he, yeah, I thought, uh, I think it's, it's. A lot of people, this is about as young as Kev, they've seen Kevin Costner, probably. Mm. I mean, I, it's funny, I grew up with Silverado, which he made a couple of years before that. He's, he's so young and he's the young guy. In the movie, I don't know if you ever seen Silverado. It's just a, like a, I guess like an '80s western. You know, you got Kevin Klein in a western. I always used to think that was funny. Kevin Klein's in a western, but he's wasn't well, he in um, Wild Wild West? Yeah, well, he was. That was yeah, years up. And then, but see, I always knew Kevin Klein like in the '90s, like 
Dave. You know that movie Dave where he becomes president? Takes no. the place of the president. You ever seen it? If you haven't seen it, it's it's an Ivan Wright movie and it's really good, really funny. And he's just like so charismatic and charming in it. And he he becomes he looks is a guy who looks like the president, takes his place for like one, you know, gig to help out the president. And then the president has a stroke, so he becomes president. Oh my. But he takes the place. But that's what, yeah. So he Costner was in Silverado, playing the young gun in Silverado. Hmm. Mm, yeah, okay. I've only seen a handful <clears throat> of Costner yeah. films. I, I we should maybe I should maybe watch some more co- uh, Costner films. I yeah, I'll be Costner curious. Yeah, we could do a whole separate podcast um, yeah. about how he basically played about. There's like three or four movies in the '90s where he basically gives the same performance, in my opinion. Like he plays the bodyguard in like four, three, four movies. <clears> hmm. <throat> But, and then he did like yeah. Dances with Wolves, uh, Wyatt Earp, and um, yeah. And then uh, what was that one you just mentioned? Silverado. Water- so well, Silverado was '85. So that's an earlier film. But Waterworld, like Waterworld, his Waterworld. I haven't World seen character. that movie, but that stunt show is amazing. I saw the stunt yeah. show when I was. The film's in film's pretty. I like the film. I grew up with it. I saw. I never saw it at the movies. I saw it on VHS. But yeah, like his Wyatt Earp. His Mariner, the character called the Mariner in Waterworld, is pretty much the same performance. He plays it, you know, very taciturn and very stoic, doesn't say a lot, man of action. And he did that in about three or four movies. But, um, yeah, so he's funny. He's, he, re- he obviously tried to recover from that. Where the camera. When I, um... <laughs> but, um... Yeah, we were talking about um, Costner. I think he'd be in a bit of shock, at least for five minutes, that he's working with James Bond. Yeah, I mean that's that's got to be the uh, the feeling there. And then seeing someone, I definitely want to talk about Robert De Niro and <laughs> Robert De Niro. Who, Sorry, real quick, not... real quick. I got this three pack of political comedies with Wrong Is Right, and it's got ah. Swing Vote. So there's another oh, yeah, Kevin Costner was... film I can watch. Yeah, go. I think it's all right. It was sort of like after his, I guess, his peak of being a movie star. But I think it's all right. Mm. All right. Well, What's let's the talk other about, film in there? Uh, it was... Uh, okay, so it's uh, Swing Vote, Wrong is Right, and Blaze starring Paul oh, Newman. Oh, yeah, with Paul Newman, yeah. Is that good? I think it's all right. I think it's the same director as um, Bull Durham. Kevin Gosselin. It's a same oh. sort of comic, comedic sort of film. Well, oh, all right. Okay. So let's talk about De Niro. You brought up De Niro. Let's talk yeah. about him. Oh, man. Uh, He's so a mental pe- midget, as we all know. Right? <laughs> Sorry. Those, that's just my bit of topical news. Robert well, De Niro is fucking but awesome. But how tall is Robert De Niro? I think... Is he five nine or five ten? Like, he's oh, not, no, like, no. I was, just, I was just quoting a terrible human being. Oh yeah, yeah. Somebody that, that went, on. yeah. When when De Niro made very valid points about this terrible human being, the terrible human being was like, uh, yes. oh, the uh, De Niro is a mental midget. And it's like, yeah, no. which is not well. He's not. He's not that small. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry I brought that up. So it's just kick your ass. it's uh, yeah. Well, he is in the uh, De Niro is, is in on the my news. mind right now. Yeah, he is in the news because you guys are in Rhode Island, aren't you? Yes, we are. Yes, you're in the state. Yeah, um, 
be interesting in your next election. And that's probably all we need to say. Yeah, it's Very, it's it's, a, it's it's always interesting. It's Last, a fucking nightmare, the, Ryan. The last yeah. two have been very. Our politics is so boring. Insane. Like I find Australian politics overall. I mean, we still have some of the vitriol. It's not what I'm saying we don't. And we do have like a conservative party. We call them the Liberal Party, which is ironic because they're not liberal. Oh but, my god! Um, and then we've got the Labor Party, which is like the Democrats, um, essentially. And yeah, it's quite boring overall, and nobody's really charismatic to any degree, positive or negative. And then in America, it's just I don't know. It's just like a movie, isn't it? It's, really? it's very Americanized, as you, as you can very Americanized. It's, it's I like it. Like, I like, like you saying it's a movie. That's a good. It's pretty much. Description. I think we it's have trouble taking it seriously. It's a it's a terrifying horror movie. Yeah, it's yeah. like, but I think Australians probably in other places we can't really see that it's actually like serious. Mm. Wait, say say that again. But it is. It's deadly serious. But oh like, yeah, it's, it's horrible. But it's, serious. It's, we, I reckon we have trouble just comprehending it, really. But anyway, I have a yeah, feeling. Was, yeah, we were we were like that too. I I think for the first the first six months that. Mm. He who should not be named was elected. I was like, this is not real. This yeah. is no way. This is like, this is no way. But who's next? Uh, Freaking uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Hulk Hogan. Like, who else is going to be president? You know what I mean? It I've was just like, been channeling. We're never taking it seriously anymore. <sighs> I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, Robert, Robert De Niro could run. Yeah. I would love that. I would I, I would rather have that. He'd be I would like, much rather hey, have that. I'm the president <laughs> well, now. Listen, I'm, I'm, I'm like. He always smiles. It would be he the same hand with movements. no teeth. Yeah, he, he does. smiles with no teeth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, he, oh, Biden, are you trying to milk me? Are you trying to milk me, Biden? That's good. I like, <laughs> I like being milked by you, Biden. You're a good president, comparatively. Um, but, um, well, ironically, I, always, I thought recently that De Niro's portrayal, like, it's an iconic portrayal of Al Capone, um, reminded me of one of your former presidents. Yes. Okay. That was what I was going to bring up. Yeah. When, uh, uh, it, he, he's, it's, I feel like he who should not be named, which we We're should not just, name him. I, I think it. I think that's a bad thing because in that Harry Potter universe, yeah, that, that's a bad thing to not name Voldemort. Right. You know what I mean? Like right. it, it gives yeah. him more power by give it mm. like it, it. So Drumpf, let's call him Drumpf. There you go. Yeah, because uh, it sounds like a big old pile of poop. Um, uh, his, yep. I think he's like channeling De Niro's performance of possibly of Capone. Like that's what oh. it felt like. Like, yeah. oh, this guy has has wronged me in some way, some small way that I totally deserve. I want him yeah. dead. I want his family dead. He lives yeah. like dirt. You know. Yeah, and he's like. Well, but- the whole opening of De Niro introducing Al Capone where he's on the bar, the, as Mari said, like a lot of people have seen that on YouTube and TikTok and, and he gets, he's getting shaven and he gets the tiniest little cut. But for a second you think he's going to kill the poor bar. He looks at him like, I'm going to kill you. And then he quickly or, forgives you know, him. And then he forgives him. But did he just forgive him because the press of it? Maybe. I think it's because he doesn't want to resort to violence unless he absolutely has to. Yeah, because then later on we see him like with that baseball death. bat. I'm like, yeah. he's going to use that bat in a second. And then sure enough, 
boom, there it is. No press there. You know? So yeah. it was like it's a, a cover-up. It's a really situation. great performance. He's probably che- chewing the scenery a bit. Oh, 100%. But, I, I, yes. The control. The scenery. I, can, if we'll get into this now on, on De Niro's yeah. performance, I actually didn't really like De Niro all that much in this film. You thought he was too over he's, the top. He's hamming it up in this movie. I reckon he's being told to, though. For sure. I was reading yeah. the trivia. Again, IMDb trivia could be put by anybody, but apparently he's like, I need to be wearing Capone's silk underwear, like made by the same people, so you got to get that for me. And it's like, we're not going to show you in your underwear. He's like, well, I need to have it. What, did, like, you, what did you think, Mario? Did you think? Like, I thought he, would, um, he was obviously hammy, but... Yeah, I mean, uh, on the same token, you don't see him much in it. But when you do see him, you're like, mm-hmm. you want to hang on every word because, of one, it's Al Capone. Yeah. And, two, they establish that he's very unpredictable and anything could happen. Yeah. Uh, so he's very compelling. But, uh, you know, aside from dump. Um, <laughs> Ooh, that's I good. Let's more, go with that, dump. That's dump. Good. Uh, but I think a more direct comparison performance-wise, this was very... Colin Farrell Dude, in the Batman. Yes, I literally yeah, have yeah, that in my I notes as well. That. I was gonna add, that was gonna be my next contribution to this was the other agree. person who is channeling Al Capone, yeah. uh, De Niro's Capone is yeah. Colin Farrell as the Penguin. It's I reckon, completely. Yeah, Colin it, Farrell. It's, would, it's just that I, I thought I that it was Colin such Farrell's a great performance, it. and now I'm like, oh, it's not a great performance. He's That's literally just yeah, doing De Niro he, as Capone. Yeah, he just. I, I think he wanted yeah. to go with a mobster thing, and he think what's the what's who's the who's the most notorious mobster of all time, Al Capone. The most notorious uh, performance. I've never, I haven't seen many Capone characters, but this is the one I hear a lot about. I'm and interested yeah, in Tom Hardy as Capone. Tom Hardy. Yeah, yes, Tom Hardy. That, that's the only he's... film that Josh Trank has made since Fantastic Four. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah I haven't seen was that. Tom was Hardy as that. Al Capone. I saw that. He, Tom Hardy was really good. He plays like the older Capone. That's he's, he's rot with syphilis. Yeah. Yeah. Is the, is the film called Capone? Yes. Yeah, Capone, yeah. Yeah, it came out in 2020. Yeah, I got to put this on the list. Yeah. It's the it's only two. film he's done since. Even Colin Farrell, he's got the scars on his face, and he essentially looks it looks like Al Capone. Yeah, The he way does. he's performing it, if you go back to, like, I, just, I, I watched The Batman at least seven times. I want him dead. I want his family dead. Yeah. It, yeah. When he's when he's getting, like, like uh, handled by Batman and Commissioner Gordon, and he's showing the pictures, like, oh, don't show me that. Don't show me that. You know, yeah. he's very De Niro. Very yeah, De Niro. Yeah. That is a really good scene. So yeah, I but, love it. And it shows so. it shows that like as hard of a criminal as he is, he does have a little humanity where he's like, "Please don't show me fucking brutal crime shit." Yeah. I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to kill people brutally. I'm, I just I'm want to do my crime. Good, I'm just having a good time. Yeah. I want to make money, dude. Like, geez, yeah. I'm my club. Like it looks like he's pretty much like he's about to throw up. Kind of. It's right. And yeah, then he calls obviously. him out for being stupid, and he shows that he's, <laughs> he's intelligent. He's like. What do you do? You got the conjugation wrong. It's not what I forget what the oh, El Rada, a lot of is like, no, yeah, it would yeah. be La Rada, right. stupid. Yeah, and it's just and yeah, it contributes a not a meaningful, yeah, thing they've yeah. definitely like with the with like the shaved back hairline yeah. and the bulky Com- body. To a, a picture of De Niro, yeah, De Niro, that's a very bracing. Because De Niro put on weight to look more like Capone, but apparently he's never happy with the amount of weight he put on. Well, he looks I, he looks bulky. He looks a lot thicker. Yeah, apparently he was using pillows 
because he didn't have time to bulk. Yeah, up. I would just I would say that, and because he wanted the roundness, picture. he wanted the roundness in his face that Capone had, because with the receded, you know, yeah. thinning hair, it gave him more of a rounder look. Yeah, and I it think looked, that's what De Niro looks so alike. For. This shot from yeah. Untouchables looks like Batman just yeah, showed up in the very courthouse. similar. <laughs> yeah. Or at the opera or whatever. And even though like they've changed Colin Farrell's usual nose, and even that nose looks more like De Niro. Really? Yeah. Essentially. Yeah. So, yeah. He's obviously, that was a touch point for them. Oz the Penguin. Oz the Penguin. Yeah, that's Oswald the, it, yeah, Oz, yeah. Oswald. Yeah, he's look at him look, right there. Look at that. Like that's even the suit, like just the suit he's wearing with, like, yeah. you know, oh, it's, very it's similar. Yeah, that's the top third picture there. Right here, uh, that one too. Yeah, oh, yeah, that one. one. Yeah, this one. Apparently, De Niro tracked down Al Capone's tailors. Taylor, yeah, that's and that that was yep. that brought me into the underwear. And the fact. underwear, obviously. Yeah, because they he because, went to the tailor and had them make yeah. make Apparently, me what you made for Al, and then give me his underwear right. too. Because he's a method, like famous method. But apparently, like shoes, like if he gets the right shoes for a character, that really helps him. So he's just that type of, type of actor. Yeah. He's still I, doing that, apparently. Yeah. I've been telling people I'm a method actor, but they and they believe me. But what it, that, they're just they're mishearing me. I'm a meth head actor. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Shall we continue with the Wikipedia? Yeah, sure. Let's do it. So Conry's, Conry's debuted. Yes. Uh, okay. Discovering that Capone has not filed an income tax return for four years, Wallace suggests trying to build a tax evasion case against him as Capone's network keeps him well insulated from his other crimes. A crooked alderman offers Ness a bribe to drop his investigation. What is an alderman? But Ness I refuses. Think he's like an alderman is a municipal... A municipal assembly or a council in many jurisdictions yeah, founded on English law. A uh, high-ranking member of borough or city council. Um, yeah. Okay. <clears throat> After Capone's enforcer, Frank Nitty, threatens to kill Ness's wife, Catherine, and their daughter, Ness immediately moves them to a safe house. In a subsequent raid on the Canadian border, Ness and his team intercept an incoming liquor shipment, killing several gangsters and capturing Capone, a Capone bookkeeper named George, whom they eventually persuade to testify against his employer. Back in Chicago, Nitty, dressed as a policeman, murders Wallace and George in the elevator of the police station and leaves a taunting message for Ness. Ness confronts Capone at the Lexington Hotel after the murders, but Malone intervenes, urging Ness to focus on persuading the district attorney not to dismiss the charges against Capone. How many paragraphs we got left? We got three paragraphs left. I'm going to do one more. <clears throat> Realizing that the police chief, Mike Dorsett, sold out Wallace and George, I almost read that as Wallace and Gromit, Malone forces <laughs> Dorsett to reveal where Capone's accountant, Walter Payne, is hiding. That evening, one of Capone's men breaks into Malone's apartment. Malone chases him out with a shotgun, but Nitty ambushes him with a Thompson submachine gun. Shortly afterwards, Ness and Stone arrive to find Malone mortally wounded. Before he dies, Malone shows them which train Payne will take to the plane take out of town which they do they take a, a plane yeah um, uh, as the duo await Payne's arrival at Union Station Ness sees a young mother with t two suitcases and her child in a carriage laboriously climbing the lobby steps Ness ultimately decides to assist her 
but the gangsters guarding Payne appear as Ness and the woman reach the top of the stairs, and a bloody shootout occurs. Though outnumbered, Ness and Stone manage to capture Payne alive and kill all his escorts, keeping both the mother and child unharmed. All right, I think that's a good place to keep going with the conversation. Hmm. Um, you want to uh, talk about, I guess, Conrad at this point in his career? Yeah, like, so what this is... Uh... How old is Conry when he makes this? 57 this, or something. This is 80s, so... He oh, yeah, about 57, maybe. 57, yeah. Let's look at the Connery yeah. timeline The here. same like, age as Roger Moore in View to a Kill. Yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah, and, I mean, really? a, a, a big, a big uh, <laughs> fact about this, this is the film that got the man an Oscar. It's the only time he's nominated. nominated. Win. Yeah. And he is great. I mean, he's so good in the movie. I mean... He really is. I mean, mm. we will get into the ratings later for sure. Oh yeah, I'm not talking about his, you know, attempted an Irish accent um, here and what, there. What attempt? Uh, yeah, we've established exactly. before in this podcast that he never once doesn't attempt at anything. Or accent related. I think he. I think he He's, tries a little bit with his pronunciation. He does. I have that as a note. He does yeah. try to go Irish here. It was certain pronunciations. Bit. I don't hear it at all. Oh, especially I hear it mm. in the first scene. If you go to the first scene, when yeah, you first see he him, does. In the, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I'm like he's 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 hitting certain the way he says certain things, which is funny because we like I said we just covered Darby O'Gill. Yeah, Darby I'm like where, where where was the attempt in that film? Because he he kind of tries a little bit, but he never. They'll be no. like we play like you know someone who's like you know he's played a, a Middle Eastern person twice. Yeah. In films and, and no never accent. attempted. It's like you know, oh yes, you know, high lock Bob. Blah, blah, blah. He's like he's, he's still in the accent. He's like, I don't. He's what like, I don't did he say? I don't remember. But like, really, like he doesn't. Like maybe they should have made him like Irish Scottish because, like in Family Business, he's they say he's Irish Scottish, like McMullen, and like his name is probably Irish, but they actually say he's Irish Scottish. They should have just said that in this film and it would have taken him probably care of the, like he didn't, the accent wouldn't have even been brought up in any of the criticism. That's what I reckon. Yeah. Would have yeah taken it's, care it's, of it. it's one of those things where it's like almost, when you see Connery, like you don't even think about, like we think uh, about it because we just, we analyze all of his films and yeah. all that. But like when you're seeing a film, you're like, I don't care. I don't care how he delivers the line. No. He's delivering it, you know? Yeah. And it's interesting, it just... like, um, like Kevin Costner, he like he, he did Prince of Thieves after that, where he, he has this little bit of an English accent, and then suddenly he's back in, like, to sound like he's just off the set of Field of Dreams. Like, it's, like, so in and out. And it just you really hit, channel, you yeah. just hit it, it just hit me that we're going to get another Costner and Connery film. We are going to get another. Uh, yeah. Sorry. And sorry. a really good cameo, I will call it. A, a really good cameo, I reckon. It's just a mm. cameo? Yeah, sort of. I mean, he's, yeah, he comes in. It's into more it than cameo. memories of me, right? Ma, yeah, I would say a little bit more than that. 13 <laughs> seconds more. Yeah, I think he did his favorite to Costner. Okay. But, um, like, Costner, when he tries to do an English, like, why did they have Costner do an English accent? I don't. I don't care if he's got an English accent or not. In Prince of Thieves, like it's not why I'm <laughs> dialing in for the movie. Like, so it does. Like, yeah, it's interesting. They probably there's ways to overcome it, but just not do it at all. Mm. 
Yeah. Um, can I whittle off a couple more of my notes? Yeah. Shoot them off. The scene where after they make the blood oath or before they make the blood oath, one or the other, uh, they're mm-hmm. walking through the crowded town and Connery yep. goes, who do you trust? And Co- Costner's about to answer and Connery goes, nobody. You know, trust <laughs> nobody. Uh, but when, he, has some, he has some great lines in this movie, man. He has some great uh, it, lines. It's so quotable. I mean, well, I think um, David Mamet script did the script who's really famous for great dialogue. Mm. Um, my, my note on that specific one is when he says, who do you trust? Hubba, 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 money, money, money. Who do you <laughs> yeah. trust? Me? I'm giving away free money. And where <laughs> is the Batman? He's at home washing his tights. Sorry. Sometimes yeah. I just got to get the joke out. Uh, Con- yeah. yeah. Con- Connery could have been a Batman. I would have been tremendous. Connery been is the Joker. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Wait no, till honestly, they get a load of me. No, if it did, if it did, uh, if it did Connery as a... Uh, I, I would have him be... Um, What's his name? The one that takes on people's faces. Um, um, Camille maybe. Hush. Hush. I want him to be Hush. Uh, hush. But, he, but he, all of his faces are just different Conneries and different movies. Different. No, my, oh, name yeah. hu- my name is <laughs> Hush. Different beards. Different <laughs> mustaches. He writes his name down, and it's H-U-S. <laughs> and, and a really great mustache from Connery and Untouchables. It's just, just, just the perfect size. And he, like... Just looks so good with the mustache. A little bit of gray in oh, there. Oh, yeah. There's a, we, 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 a lot of the films we've been hitting have different uh, mustache yeah. variations. And, yeah, this is one of the, the better. It, it, it kind of matches with the Cuba. A little mm. thicker than the Cuba one. Yeah. But it's, 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 it's a good size. I love the um, uh, the one we just did, the um, Wrong is Right mustache. I love that one. Very yeah. Ron Burgundy. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he has, he has some great mustache. Like, he does the beard well. The beard is and very iconic and like indie, but like I like the like, mustache. No hairpiece, obviously. Like he's got like he's balding, and he's fifty-seven, and he even makes a reference like I'm not the young guy anymore. Like Ness goes to visit him, where he knows he needs help. He needs somebody connected into the police force, and Conrad's trying to like talk him out of it a bit, and it's really good. I really like the scene because. Number one, Costner's like, he's humbling himself saying, I don't have a massive ego. I need your help. And he's like, I'm just a poor beat cop. You know, he's really just. That's good. Doing it. He's, the, he's just this working class guy and he's just a beat cop. Why do you need me? Mm. Sort of thing. And Curry goes, he actually references the fact that he is not young and he's, he's put on weight. Like he does look a little bit. I would say a little bit fatter in this movie, but still great, obviously. But he's, yes, he's a Wushosh Senior, um, 10 years and 20 pounds ago. Yeah, I like that line. Yeah. Can, so he can really references talk... the fact that he's older. Can we talk real quick? Because I've got this pulled up because it's the only yeah. clear shot I yeah. have of his mustache yeah. at the moment. How mm-hmm. good this shot is. Oh, it, it's 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 mm. he's using a camera technique where he's able to mm. keep the foreground in focus, but then yeah. also bring the background into focus. Yeah. And so you can see in the middle, it's out of focus. Yeah, it's beautiful. It creates every time you yeah. It creates this this wonderful effect that that Costner isn't even in the shot, but he is. Mm. But he and is. It yeah. creates this mystery. Mm. You know. 
because whenever you pull like I watch it Friday night and like I've got a like not a massive TV but it's big enough and it's just even saying it now with the new streaming which comes through like HD when you see camera shots like that you go just the technique mm. fantastic and I liked this shot as well this looking mm. up shot beautiful architecture yeah. I kind of what other do I oh you're you're <laughs> mucking with a G here pal. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and he's like he's so good in the movie and like with the lines obviously they're so famous but like the you know in the like when he comes to visit him and he's trying to talk him out of like bringing him on board in a way but then he comes to him and he's like no i'm gonna help him and really this is this what the second movie is is a mentor christopher lambert and highlander um mm. but this is the first one where he's really saying i'm the older guy and i'm gonna help the young guys I don't think he ever really did that before. The same. Yeah. Um, Finding Forrester, he's a mentor. He uh, does a I'll, lot of mentor parts. I've got to finish this joke as well. You're mucking with a G here, pal. Cruising down the street in my 6'4". <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh, what's the Finding Forrester line? You're the man now, dog. You're the man now, dog. <laughs> mucking with a G. Because you, you know you can't fuck with old Sean Connery. Bet you didn't know I could rap, did you? It's me, S.C. Draco the Rapping Dragon. <laughs> oh, no, he's back. This man can oh. finger Al Capone. <laughs> yeah. It looks yeah, funny. With easy. Al Capone's in. easy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It, looks, um, it looks funny with the screen caps. I, uh... Wait, say again? It looks funny because of the screen. This man can finger Al Capone. No mm. pun intended. <laughs> and but, also, the this George character, doesn't he look like uh, Billy Bob Thornton and Gilbert yeah. Gottfried had a baby? <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> like, especially in that shot. <laughs> and Costner's like, oh my God, it is Gilbert Gottfried and Billy Bob Thornton's love child. <laughs> hey, it's me, the boss from The Incredibles. This man can finger Al Capone. <laughs> uh, love- like, it's, it's funny to, like you can talk about Connery's character obviously there's a lot of racial epitaphs in it oh Some the moment where he triggers Andy Garcia with racism which is so good which is so it's like so good um like the introduction of obviously Andy Garcia became a big actor after this obviously also but he's we'll just like to our sexy ratings yeah, yeah he's calling, calling him a wop uh, it's another thieving wop on a tune. Like Macaroni really in a pot. That's them. some wet ash pussy. <laughs> <laughs> That's what wop like, means, right? Yeah, the, no yeah. racial implications. It's only it's only a, a stripper anthem. Right? He uses like variations of wop. He even calls the guy coming to with the knife coming into his apartment. There's some whores in this house. There's some whores in this house. <laughs> He's like he goes Isn't certified that just freak. Like Hawaii? Seven days a week. Hawaii? He does a few yeah. variations of WAP. Uh, now I'm going to record a version of WAP as Sean Connery. Oh my God. Certified freak. Seven days a week. Needs. I don't cook, but, I don't um, clean, but let me show you how I got this ring. But yeah, Sorry. it's... Uh, Crickets. Yeah, it's just, just his character, which is also like a product of the times. But but he's also doing it like playfully, like yeah. getting stuck into it. It gets stuck into everybody. Sucking to Elliot Ness at one point about his wife, you know, 
you know, he's going to re- want to redecorate and all this. Mm. Sort of, like he, that's his his role is to sort of keep everybody at ease as well, mm. Mm. which he does. Yeah, especially in the cabin before the Canadian mm. raid. Yeah. yeah, he's just kind of uh, stamp your feet; it'll keep you warm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, also the- in the, on, in the Canadian cabin scene. Can we talk about how fucking awesome the threatening of a dead body is? Yeah, that's such a good scene, though. It's that holy. was a brilliant <laughs> interrogation tactic. Yeah. Did you think he was going to do it, bro? Did you think, did you think he was going to like pull the trigger? On a dead body? Yes. Like, like oh my God. <laughs> as that soon was as I realized what he was insane. doing, I'm like, he's going to do this. He's doing this all the way. He's going to so blow good. out a dead man's head. Ooh, so yeah. good. The special effects were quite good because it actually looks like, well, they must have used a dummy or something because it looks like they like, closed the back of the, like it's like, a, I would assume a dummy. Yeah. Uh, at, it at was the back. Good. And they've got all the blood in the brains that's come through the window. It was, a, that was one of my favorite moments of the whole film. Yeah. It was, it was fun. It was very funny and it was terrifying. So. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's funny. Like, I probably saw that as a kid. And I thought, I thought as a kid, geez, this is a bit, that's a bit full on. <laughs> like, I'm probably like, I don't know, 11 years old or something. And I'm like, oh. That's one of my favorite an... Australian phrases. Full on. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> yeah. It's that, that's great. It's such a full on phrase. Sorry. But he has so, like, I can't use though, it. I can't use it. Yeah, I need the accent. Full on, yeah. <laughs> I think Chris Hemsworth's probably um, the international purveyor of it, probably. Yeah, well, he's always full on. He's from near Melbourne. He's from Phillip Island. That's not that far away. From... Have you met Chris Hemsworth? No, I've never worked Chris. Um, I got pretty close to like that. Uh, no, is it, he called him style. Chris. He's on a first name basis with our Chris <laughs> Mario. We're one the, step the most closer famous to greatness. Person, most famous person I've seen up close, like I've been like standing next to him, was John Travolta. He came to Australia. And he yeah. like, Ooh. and that like, yeah, he did a talk here. He did a talk about his film career. My wife and I went and saw him talk. And then we waited at the back for him to get into his like, I don't know whether they're like Mercedes limousine cars. And he saw all this crowd forming. So he came out and started signing autographs. And it was just like, it was like, anybody seen that movie Broken Arrow where he's just like walking almost in slow-mo towards the camera it's very <laughs> surreal and it's like this guy who's super famous and he's really tall like he's over six feet and i was really? like yeah he is yeah he's six really? foot two he didn't seem that tall that's crazy yeah. i believe that well he's pretty big and like i always think of him in pelham one two three he looks very big yeah, and intimidating in that movie mm. he's over six he's probably a fraction taller than denzel washington and um and his hair was shaven like off and he had a beard but it's just yeah. like a, pre- a presence and a charisma probably like in a way like sean connery like if you were to meet would have met sean connery he just emanated and he emanates on the screen he emanates something but yeah that's the most famous person i've seen pretty close dang he needs dang. he needs a comeback <laughs> he's another he could do another comeback i reckon Ooh, travolta I mean, obviously he had his in the 90s but he yeah, needs one t- today with like a jordan peele or something you know yeah, now he's doing now yeah. he's doing like he's doing c- commercials as santa claus doing the Bee Gees gimmick god of war commercials yeah stuff like that it's like come on man like do something uh he, he had a, uh, i like something interesting he had a really big run after Pulp fiction because he has like get shorty 
Broken Arrow, Face Off, um, Michael, the one with the angel. Like he had a pretty good run after Pulp Fiction, but um, but but yeah, uh, yeah, that scene where he blows the back of the the, the dead guy's head out. That's oh, insane. That's that one of my favorite moments of the film. He's, a, he's as dead as Julius Caesar. <laughs> and and you get the you get the moment before where um Elliot Ness kills that man and it's yeah. the farthest he has gone he's like I'm willing to go as far as it's, I need to yeah. and he that this is the farthest he's gone. Yeah, he sort of he has to kill this guy face to face really close. Um and then he starts to change I think after that as most people would. Um but the, you know, when you go back to the scene in the church, which is the famous, really quite a famous one, where he, he goes into the whole, um, you know, uh, the you know the famous line I said it earlier. Um, you know, you want to know how to get Capone? Here's how you get him. He pulls an knife, you pull a gun. Says one of your hospitals, and one is more. It says that's the Chicago way. That's how you. But what are you prepared to do? Like he's always like, yeah, like it's all great to be Mister Law and Order, obviously. Um, but these guys don't play that way. He's really trying to tell him, you're going to have to become worse than what they are. Mm. Mm. Which and, he kind of does, really. Yeah. Where And and they also, while they don't have a quote-unquote license to kill, they are within mm. the law, so yeah. like it, there can be a level of forgiveness to what they do. You know what mm. I mean? Like, Seeing I, I Connery know. with um, a Thompson machine gun was pretty cool. It was fucking awesome. Yeah. Um, I really like where are you going? On a liquor run. <laughs> that was good. Um uh okay. <clears throat> oh that that can wait, that can wait. Um Eskimo and Butterfly, Dad. That moment was mm. so fu- fucking adorable where they just give a little Eskimo Eskimo kiss to his daughter. Yeah. Oh, for her, for her safety, the, oh. the only thing that took me out of it was the driveway scene and yeah. like the the light in the car. Mm. Did those cars have those lights back then? Don't I know about they, that. I don't know if they had dome lights like that, but I was like, it just it was I just don't very. Know if they would, yeah, I don't like, know I, if they would. I, I understand for the shot, you want to get their faces like driving yeah. away, but I was kind of like, I feel like those Model Ts or whatever you want to call them didn't have those kind of lights in the car. It was a little weird, a little jarring. It is like he's got the like obviously they present Elliot with the family less simple family life compared to Al Capone. He's living in in opulence, and he's got the the ladies, the fast ladies all all around. And then Costner's got this simple life with the daughter and the wife. But actually, um, Elliot Ness in reality, this simple life, he's just got a daughter and wife. Sorry, but in reality, Elliot Ness never had actually any children. He adopted one, I saw. Yeah, he adopted one. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he was on his third marriage by that point. Yeah, I, I think um, he was a bit of a ladies man. I don't think he was really the virtuous. Yeah. So, okay, so well, that's a note I have. Um, uh, let me whittle away three mm-hmm. quick notes, and then, I'll, like, they're super quick. The plane looks super cozy. That beautiful shot <laughs> that starts at the window and then pulls out to reveal that they're on a plane. That plane looks very cozy. As does the the immediate landscape that it cuts to. That pan across the Canadian landscape is fucking gorgeous. Yeah, that cabin looks really cozy. 
And in that cabin is a box on the wall that says Kennedy's Biscuit. And I just thought that was worth noting. Um, but then the, here's the one, the note that I, I really pertains to our conversation. Hypocrisy. They're hypocrites. Everyone in this movie is a fucking hypocrite. Except mm-hmm. for Costner. Yeah. As Ness. Like, even Malone, Connery, he pulls out, he opens his oven and he drinks. You know? Yeah. And then in regards to the, to the very last line of the film, I think I'll have a drink. Um, this film is unaware of its message or its stance on hypocrisy. Yeah. It just, it's just... Hypocrites exist. Hypocrisy exists. Well, what's your mm. stance or your message on it? That it exists. You know what mm. I mean? Like, yeah, it's 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 interesting, sort of. But I guess you could say, well, Costner sort of betrays his original, you know, his original like forthrightness, and by the book, well, he's completely, in a way, he's completely betrayed that. But as he says at the end of the film, I'm content with that because I did it for the right reasons. Mm. They, even he was a bit of a hypocrite in a way. Yeah. Kind of. Interesting. A lot of, yeah, interesting um, moral ideas. Yeah, it's just, it was something I re- that was really, in the way that, uh, you know, I couldn't get over how Godzilla Minus One is really a film about guilt, you know, mm. and, and how not letting, not, not forgiving yourself for certain things affects society as a whole because it makes you mm. um, not the... F- full person that you can be um <clears throat> uh yeah watch watch godzilla minus one ryan it's i have really to good. say that <laughs> yeah it's really good um, but yeah i i just thought uh, that's what i kind of took away from the film is like mm. it's it's just a film about hypocrisy with no yeah. message or stance on it besides the fact that hypocrisy exists yeah so. and there is it like i guess there's the message that like Connery says multiple times, what are you prepared to do? Mm. And sort of that's kind of the, that's, I guess there's a theme. It's like, that's the thing because Connery's espousing it the whole way through. And then the journey of Elliot Ness from the forthright, I guess, Jimmy Stewart type lawman to suddenly he's like as ruthless as Connery's character or prepared to be as ruthless. Mm. And now the scene where we see that Malone also drinks, my next note, mm. uh, that's a Michael Myers, Jason Voorhees POV horror sequence. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It, I, I, I like those little first-person moments. I thought that was a mm. super cool added more. Again, this movie had so much suspense yeah. in it. Like, every moment you're like, anything could happen. Yeah. You know, from, from that scene to the, the carriage scene, which we'll talk about afterwards. Uh, just, yeah, just full, mm. uh, very artsy. I, I, I appreciated that. The cinematographer yeah. was Stephen H. Burham. Yeah, he, he did Mission Impossible as well. I looked it up. Because I was curious about yes, he did. Yeah, he did. He did mystery. He did the shadow. Did the shadow with Alec Baldwin, which I saw as a kid. He did Carlito's Way, Hoffa. Hoffa. He did a lot of gangsterish films. Arthur too. But um, the Outsiders from Coppola. He did uh, the Outsiders and Rumblefish. Yeah, so he's been a lot of like cinematographer, a lot of acclaimed. Films. It's sort of the film takes the best of De Palma and it's his probably his most commercial movie. 
who brought up the Bee Gees recently? He also shot Stephen H. Burham also shot the Bee Gees special in nineteen seventy nine for NBC. Look at that. <laughs> Connections. What was the wh- who brought up the Bee Gees earlier? Me um, because Mario. of the John Travolta. Oh yes, yeah, yeah, Saturday Night Fever. Fever. Yep. Okay, thank you. Which totally is falling away from, unfortunately, cinema is probably falling away from pop culture in a way. Like a lot of people under the age of 35, they might, like, obviously, they know the Bee Gees, hopefully, staying alive, but they probably don't know the reference. No. Mm. I've never seen it, nor its sequel. But. Yeah, I saw the, I, I've seen the Saturday Night Fever a lot. The sequel is pretty, it's a hard slog. The sequel's a hard slog. Mm. Uh, my next note is that Nitty looks like Lin- yeah. uh, Michael Lindsay Hall. Did anyone watch the Get Back documentary? Yeah. Yes. Uh, I'm a huge Beatles fan. Hell yeah. D- did yeah. Mario, did you see any clips from the Get Back documentary? I, I watched uh, quite a bit of it. I didn't finish it, but yeah, I've seen it. You know Michael Lindsay Hogg, the director <laughs> of the special? Yeah. yeah. Doesn't Nitty look like Michael Lindsay yeah. Hogg? Yeah. <laughs> I can see it, yeah. I can see it, yeah. I'll, I'll pull up some pictures. Uh, you guys continue with your notes. Yeah, they, they, they make up, like, Frank Nitti. This is where, like, they really take liberties. Like, he's an assassin. Like, Frank Nitti was a real person. But he was more like a businessman. Like, he was, like, uh, operations manager of Capone's, like, operation. Like, he was, I don't think he actually killed anybody himself. Yes, I They make I him out that, like he's... That he uh, died of suicide... Yeah, unalived himself. Who who is the actor again? Billy Draco. Yes, Billy. Hold on, I've got to pull Mm. that. He he was in a really good episode of the X Files, and he had some power in it. But he's got a creepy voice, and he looks creepy. So that's Michael Lindsay Hogg. Yep. Yeah, I can see it. That's Billy Draco. Yeah, I can see it. Especially when his hat's off and his hat's, his hair's starting to get yeah. a bit mess. Do you like the white? Oh, right here. Maybe. He's in the white outfits. Yeah. Especially right there. Yeah, I can see it. Anyway, sorry. Yes, I, I like his white outfit that he's wearing. Yeah. Everyone's very I fashionable know. in this because of the Armani dressing. Yeah. I, were they just trying to be a bit... Maybe Miami Vice is because Miami Vice is still on at that point. Um, hmm. But it's interesting the white. I always thought the white outfit is he like the especially like the Angel of Death maybe. Hmm. Yeah. I dig that. I dig that. Yeah, yeah. All right. Let me whittle away at this Wikipedia, and then we can just free talk and then get to our ratings. <clears throat> yeah, let's get get in there. Speaking of uh, Beatles, my little my little yellow submarine coffee mug. Oh. Yeah, I've got um. It's funny. I was drinking out of a let it be, a let it be mug. Nice. Whoa! Look at that. I like that. Um, I have a mug around here that just has music notes on it. (laughs) Well, that's pretty cool. (laughs) We we gotta get you a Beatles mug. Yeah, Beatles triplets, Beatles mug triplets. (laughs) Um, Okay, I'll finish up the wiki here. Later, when Payne testifies at Capone's trial. Oh, hold on, I'm sorry. You know, I'll just put it up on the screen so people can read it along with me because it's fun. Later, when Payne testifies at Capone's trial, Ness observes that Capone appears strangely calm and that Nitty is wearing a gun in the courtroom. I do Kevin Costner. Like, Kevin Costner, when he sees, they see the gun, he's like, son of a bitch is wearing a gun in court. 
Yeah, that was a great moment. <laughs> As was the uh, switching of the jury. All right, let's let's get to let's let's I'll just whittle away these paragraphs and then we can talk about everything we want to. Hit it. The bailiff <laughs> removes Nitty and searches him, finding a note from Chicago Mayor William Hale Thompson, which effectively permits him to carry the weapon. However, noticing Nitty possesses a matchbook with Malone's address written inside, Ness realizes that Nitty killed Malone. Panicked, Nitty shoots the bailiff before fleeing to the courthouse roof, where Ness captures him. After Nitty insults the memory of Malone and gloats that he will escape conviction for the murder, an enraged Ness pushes Mitty off the roof to his death, avenging Wallace and Malone. Stone gives Ness a list taken from Nitty's coat, which shows that sh- which shows that the jurors in the trial are all on Capone's payroll. Behind closed doors, Ness persuades the jury to switch Capone's jury. Cons- Ness persuades the judge to convince. Behind closed doors, Ness persuades the judge to switch Capone's jury with one hearing an unrelated divorce case by telling the judge that he is on Capone's payroll and they can prove it. This prompts Capone's lawyer to enter a guilty plea, although an out- outraged Capone violently objects. Capone is later convicted of tax evasion <coughs> and sentenced to 11 years in prison. On the day Capone begins serving his sentence, Ness closes up his office, giving Malone's St. Jude medallion and call box key to Stone as a farewell present. As Ness leaves the police station, a reporter asks him what he will do upon the probable repeal of Prohibition, to which he replies, I think I'll have a drink. Real quick, I just want because I didn't write this in my notes, and I just want to bring it up now before I forget it. So the first shot of this film is the o- beautiful, long overhead shot of of Capone being shaved. Yeah. Yes. That was going to be the final shot of this film, except rather than going from up to close up, from far away to close up, it was going to be close up to far away, revealing that he's in prison. Yeah. Reveal- getting the same treatment in prison. Yeah. Ooh. I she would probably much prefer that ending. They probably, he probably did like that, and that's probably more realistic because mm. those guys used to live pretty well in prison. Oh yeah, that's kind of like so, the inspiration, you know, with Kingpin mm-hmm. in like the comic books and in Marvel. He was always kind of like the high class. He had the high class cell, mm-hmm. and he still kind of ran the prison. Mm-hmm. He was the Kingpin, you know what I mean? But it was kind of like I think Capone was very was very inspirational in that fact so yeah i'm sure that would have been, that would have been a tremendous I, i'd rather see that that yeah right I, mm, yeah same. the ending the ending like with the i'm gonna have a drink it's a funny line i guess not if you know lns's real history though but um yeah it's almost like it it's a real 80s early it's 90s too hollywood ending. it's too hollywood it leaves everything on an optimistic note when mm. all these terrible things have happened yeah and it's like why? it's almost like you know the question is did this movie need a brian adams song like it's almost i'm surprised they didn't have a song at the end in the summer in of 69 <laughs> like what what no, why 30. this song 1869 <laughs> yeah but it's like it almost is a little bit like prince of thieves like you waiting for everything i do i do it for you like it's yeah, it's a little bit clear. Is that in that movie? 
It's in Prince of Thieves, yeah. Oh my God, stop spoiling stuff for, for future Connery movies. <laughs> yes. I, actually I, need, I, I, I clear my brain of that because it's going to be so much more effective if I don't know it. Yeah. Oh my God. No. Uh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I fucking love the roof roll when Costner rolls off the roof down to the <laughs> section below. Like, how, how did he know? He couldn't have known. That must have been the most. That must have been the most terrifying four seconds of his life. The like the action sequences like are really good. I mean, obviously, how would he have known that the the thing was there to catch him? But the actual the the whole action scene, the getting Nitty because Nitty takes off all that cabin and in Canada, like they're all really good sequences. Mm. Like, and yet, see, you know, obviously, we mentioned Connery with Thompson. Um, and just, yeah, and they're still, the film doesn't feel dated in those scenes at all. Mm. That whole, like, jumping off the ledge and re- revealing yeah. that he's on the edge, it's very classic movie trope. You can see that it in, like, is. Back to the Future 2 when Marty falls off Biff's, Biff's tower and then he yeah. reveals that he's on a DeLorean and Doc takes him out and they fly mm. away. And he wouldn't have been able to do movies. a badass entrance. He'd still be recovering from the heart attack that he had because he came so yeah. close to falling off a car off... Yeah. 50 stories or whatever yeah, right. you just see him well, you just see him like holding on for dear life shivering <laughs> <laughs> that would be uh, me at least oh yeah <laughs> me I'd be calm cool and collected I, I, it's just a big piss stain down the front of my pants <laughs> we, um, Marty we you peed all the windshield <laughs> yeah. use the wipers doc it just slips straight off <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, yeah, he dies. <laughs> and Doc's like, oh. <laughs> well, shit. And, oh, and, and, and Swift gets away with his evil plan. He could go back in time and save Marty. He didn't go back in the That would have been that part would have been a more. I, I like the third Back to the Future movie, I guess. But I love Back to the Future three. Yeah, I like I, the I just, third movie. It's, it's fun. Movie. It's fun, but you know, it just it feels like a. I don't know. It doesn't have the same charm as the first two. So no, I, listened to a, I listened to a video essay recently uh, um, by a channel that exclusively does Western stuff, films, uh, stuff about Western films, and he covered Back to the Future 3. And mm. according to this person's research, uh, Zemeckis and Gale, Robert Zemeckis and, and Bob Gale, the, the two Bobs, uh, they wanted to make a Western movie the whole time. The original intent for Back to the Future was that he goes back to Western times and has to get back to the future. But I guess because between both the studio and then just like, you know, the cocaine 80s, it was like, okay, the 50s is kind of having a renaissance. Have him go back to the 50s. And then then they're like, okay, well, it wouldn't be – it would be weird for him to come back from the 50s and then go to the past again so we gotta go to the Mm. future and now we can do now he slingshots all the way back to the old west i Um, think the order of that 50s going forward what year is it 2015 yeah 2015 eight years ago and then going then going back to the 1885 i do think that works well yeah in terms of its order but it, it would have been weird if it went in any other order. But um, I anyway, think why, probably... why did you bring up Back to the Future 3, Mario? I'm sorry. Yeah. 
Oh, because of the classic trope of from two when he falls mm. off the uh, roof. But I just want to share yeah, this. That's I, still right. I still have this. This came out oh, yeah. on uh, I was what was the exact day October twenty second, twenty fifteen. This came out on US Today, and I re I remember running that's to right. the store to I pick this that. up. And it's it's a it's a it's all a real newspaper. It has like mm. ads for like George's book and stuff. Mm. And then the real news that happened that day, but yeah, it's still in good condition. I gotta frame this, dude. I gotta. That's I love how cool it's. When I do that. I love how it is youth jailed, which is one in 2015, not an important news story. Like it's important for that guy and his family, um, mm. but also that an unnamed youth being jailed, who's not the son mm. of anyone famous or anything, no. made front page news. Yeah, and that seems to be unbelievable. Well, it's not it's a big like, city. Yeah, it's like it's like my hometown of Bristol, Rhode Island. Like, yeah, uh, a squirrel made news once. You know what I mean? Like, local <laughs> squirrel falls into uh, uh, someone's boat or something. Yeah, local yeah, local youth squirrel like... jailed. <laughs> but um, do we want to discuss? I mean, obviously, spoiler alert: Connery's demise. And yeah, I, I the fact have, that he somehow keeps all the blood in his body. I thought he was. So yeah, long. I was like, because I really want to get this note down. So I was like yeah. waiting for it to happen. We yeah. usually do, uh, you know, Connery's first appearance, like mm. time wise. And yeah. I put Connery time of death one hour twenty five minutes twenty nine seconds. Yeah, so it's still a fair bit of film to go. Yeah, because mm. I was like, when he died, I was like, but I love that scene. Mm. Uh, ton because he's still like you see him he's trying to go for the chain but not really he's trying to go for yeah. that piece of paper that's going to tell you where the um accountant or whatever is going to be at the station blah blah so he has like one more like i yeah. I, I, I teared up when he said you know and what are you going to do yeah like, when he says that I was like oh man i actually reckon that's almost so the scene apart from the church scenes probably that got him the oscar i reckon Probably. He's pretty good in that death scene. Mm, yeah, he is very good in that death He's scene. He's tremendous. Well, um, if if I may, Mario, can we recount the films that we've covered where he has died? Yeah, I'm interested. I, I'm looking to... through them right now. So for, the Molly Maguires. First night for yeah. sure. First night, yeah. Yeah. Um, the Molly Maguires, he's sentenced to hang, but we don't see it. Um, yeah, that's right. Uh, the Next Man, Robin and Marion. So two in a mm -hmm. row where he dies. Um, <laughs> Do we count him uh, his fake death and he only lived twice? <laughs> or, good, or from yeah. Russia <laughs> with love. <laughs> yeah, um, right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, from uh, Russia with love. The Untouchables. Uh, family business he dies, right? Yes. Yep. Um, uh, oh, Medicine uh, Man. Yeah. Oh, no. uh, does he know? I don't think he died in Medicine Man. Yes, he, he does. Got, he got... No, Was he it? doesn't. No, I'm um, sorry. A good man in Africa, he does. Yeah, he, yeah, he does. I'm sorry. A good man in Africa, first night, the Avengers. Yeah. Oh, he. Oh, Finding Forrester. Did we say that? Yeah, yep, he dies Finding in Forrester. That. Okay, so that covers it. Those are the ones I, I forgot to. Well, keep he dies. Well, he dies in the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Just stop spoiling maybe. movies for us. Stop. <laughs> like, maybe. I, 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 at that point, I'm going to take a Connor P. You guys keep talking. Connor P. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll probably. Oh, no, 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 sorry, spoiler alert. Uh, <laughs> spoiler alert. I'm gonna go handle my untouchable right now. Go untouch untouchable. <laughs> uh, untouch it. I don't want to untouch it. 
Yeah, I haven't seen uh, League in a long. I'm extra, I'm, I'm excited to see. Yeah, I haven't seen it for a long time. Um, I haven't seen it for a long. I saw it when it came out because well, I saw all, like pretty much all of Connery's films that were coming out at the time uh, around that time. But yeah, it's it, interesting to go back to a superhero movie. Seems like that long ago. It's over twenty years ago. Yeah, that was like kind of the weird time of. Uh, mm. Uh, superhero films, if you think about yeah. it, because that was like the original Marvel before MCU was a thing. Uh, you know, your Fox yeah. heroes and all that. So yeah. I think they were kind of trying to trying to cash in on that excitement, but like they, they I don't were think it did really. They and it was really difficult. Well. I think it was difficult for Conway. Like special effects was coming in. The characters at the time probably didn't mean as much. And when you like when you particularly watch Untouchable, like it's a character movie. There's so many distinct characters in it. And at that time, and when League came out, that was falling away a bit. That was mm. for movies. I can see Connery was. He was apparently really frustrated with that movie. Oh, I bet. Yeah, I'm sure he was yeah. like fed up and this was like on his way out. So you mm. know, and then and the one we're waiting for, Sir Billy. We're like, Billy. where's we're like, where's <laughs> where was he at there? Where he was like, I want to do this Scottish made. Yeah, 3D animation film. I'm voicing essentially myself, and like we haven't seen mm. much of it because we don't want to like spoil ourselves from it. Like, yeah, it yeah. looks, it looks like a fever dream. It looks insane. Yeah, I know. It, that's so, what like, I've heard. He he almost came back for Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. They they really Spielberg and Harrison Ford said we could have you in it somehow, um, and they really and he considered it, but. In the end, I like I, think, I like I like what they did. It just kind of gave yeah. you the framed photo on the desk. Yeah. It would have been kind of fun to have like a small little like yeah him in a home or something like just <laughs> and Indy was to visit him or something like something yeah. small but that's understandable. Like, but it take it would take fun. away from how good Last Crusade and the ending of that film. So I'm happy that like, he kept out of it. I think he's like oh, I'm retired now and I've got a legacy. So why would I spoil it a bit? Yeah, you don't want to come back and like it's like you know it's the Star Wars problem. We won't get into Star Wars yeah. for <laughs> seven hours. Like that's um, like but, that's like yeah. if you decided to you know come out of retirement and make Sir Billy your last film. Well, yeah. Well, that's enough. Yeah, <laughs> that's Again, what we're just talking about. That yeah. But he's so but he's so was so into like Scotland and supporting Scot Scottish things. Like I can see why he did it. Yeah, so I, I think it's why we're very curious and saving that for the last film. Yeah, we're like, okay, I reckon it's, it's the last... appropriate last one. Yeah, so I think it's I think it's going to be fun. Well, but anyway, if you've listened to uh, recent episodes of ours, Ryan, you'll hear that we have plans yeah. for our final episode. I know, I, I did hear that actually. Yeah, yeah we might make yeah. a big festival of us. Of course, you're yeah. you're, you're you're invited to come. If yeah, we actually, yeah, I'm I'm pretty keen actually. You're gonna um, fly out to Rhode Island. Oh, maybe. Oh, well, the, the, the biggest I just did a trip. Uh, I did the Disney cruise, but only from Melbourne to Hobart and back. Uh, I did a cruise. Good. I've never been on a cruise before. Well, it's a, I, I don't know if you know this part of the world, but it's pretty rough water, like going through. There's like the Bass Strait Ocean below us and then Tasman Ocean, Tasman Sea, not Tasman Ocean, Tasman Sea. And I got seasick on the way back from Hobart. And we're on a big, oh, big wow. ship. And it know. was pretty rough. Um, so I'm not going to go on cruises. So if I go anywhere, it'll definitely be by plane. 
Fair oh enough. yeah, there you go. Well, you're there more you than go. invited to Sir Billy Fest. <laughs> there we go. Um, Sir, Sir Billy Fest. Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, yeah, I was sick for like one night, but after that, I recovered pretty quickly. Oh man. Well, good, uh, good. It was pretty but, rough. Oh, I bet. But yeah. all right, I think with that being said, Dylan, do you have any more notes you want to cover? Um. Uh, I really like yeah. that shot of Nitty falling. Oh uh, yeah, you guys know which one that? I'm talking about. Yeah, just the. Uh... <laughs> with a bright blue sky background yeah. behind him it's a really good scene and it's like he's baiting Elliot Ness because he thinks he's not going to kill him because he doesn't kill people who are unarmed that kind and of like he... tease of like you think he's going to go through the door but then it cuts yeah, and it turns I thought, it when I was a kid roof. I thought he's just going to slam him into the door like beat the crap out of him because he, yeah. he's insulting Sean Connery and who was this actually became like he was his mentor yeah I thought he was going to whack him, but then he, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And straight through the car. I love it. So good. And then they follow it up. Where is he? He's in the car. And he says, where's Nanny? Oh, he's in the car. So good. I love that. It looks like you're <laughs> like we're in a fever dream movie or like yeah. a kids show. It's it really looks like well a sound garden music video. Yeah. Black hole sun. <laughs> won't you come? Smash. I would assume somebody, a stuntman, actually jumped off the building to like a big, you know, inflatable thing because that's what it looks like. Oh, yeah. They probably had someone, yeah, on wires or something. Yeah, wires yeah. and an inflatable, you know, to hit the. Yeah, because at that point, that's like. Like who yeah. made the choice to be like we got to see his face as he goes down? Like, it, like yeah, that right there is clear. Know, that's clearly yeah, a person being. That? that was really well done. Yeah, look at that. Yeah, that it's looks probably great. really simple. Unless, unless that's one of those dummies they got in Temple of Doom. <laughs> no, the, I see arms. There's arm movement there. No, no, yeah. no. That's what those. That's what I mean, though. Um, they made special mannequins in Temple of Doom for the bridge fall scene oh, when yeah, Indy the cuts the bridge. Falling. All yeah. those people that fall down, Did those are all... mannequins with, with motorized arms and legs. Oh. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> but he's oh, like, yeah. and that's the scene where, like, really, Elliot Ness is now, he is almost going towards being like Al Capone. He's just, he's, he's killed, killed two people blood. now. And he killed yeah. one, that guy, he's on An accident. He's disarmed him. He's murdered as revenge for killing Malone, who was his mentor and like his best friend. I mean, mm. by the end of the film, they're best friends. Mm. So um, I have I have two other shots I just want to share that I, I took screenshots. Bunry trying to keep all the blood in his body. <laughs> that was amazing. <laughs> oh, well, Crazy. I love I took shot, this because he gets shot I in love the front this and the back, and he somehow lasts like. I don't know how long the period. Yeah, he time. does last a long time, and he yeah, I was a like, lot. I thought he was just dead already. Yeah, well, interesting fact is Connery had never been like set up with a squib before. Apparently, he never like it never happened in his film career. Huh? So actual squib, and they must have said so they were rigging him up with all like because he gets shot about what six times in the front and six in the back, or at least it's a lot. And it's a lot, and and they said oh. um you know, this is one of the most squibs we've put on one person. Um, you know, like was a lot. And um, they said the comic if you ever had been fitted, and he said, "No." <laughs> oh my. Yeah. So, like... and apparently he actually got a little bit. It was on the making of. I watched the making of. He got a little bit of the blood in his eye, and I had to like flush it out. They're like all worried for oh two seconds. Oh my god! The, one of the stars of the film, Sean Connery, and he's got oh flicked god. with the blood. 
his eye because you see it when he gets shot the blood's gone everywhere yeah yeah seriously and he'd never been squibbed before never been squibbed that, that's and, like and losing your virginity in a bdsm dungeon a squibbed virginity loss <laughs> and, and it really hurts apparently when it goes off oh, i bet i can imagine there's yeah. a little bit of a shake uh yeah, he, he said oh what does it feel like and the, and the stunt guys bring him up firing they're like oh, it's, it's gonna hurt a little bit <laughs> and it turns and the stunt guy is eugene levy no it's not eugene levy it's um what Chris Klein or something? He's like, like warm apple pie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so I'm, I'm just gonna share these last two screenshots. I yeah. fucking love this room. Look how cozy that room looks. It yeah. looks like the uh, the producers or something. Mm. So and, whose like, house love, is it? I don't I don't know, but it's gorgeous. And I love this. I love this wood paneling on on this wall but it's wallpaper on this in this half of the room and the piano against this wall like yeah it's so beautiful and then how this this couch here extends into like both rooms it's hmm. it's beautiful is that not um ness's uh, house uh yeah is that not elliot ness's house yeah it probably yeah, is. yeah i think it could be they never actually say where he is but he gets the phone call from his wife and she's picking out like colors and stuff from the decorator remember yeah and yeah so that wall must be under construction and they're gonna put like yeah wallpaper and, and on it. maybe he doesn't tell connery that he's talking to the his wife and connery just knows because he's instinctive and he said like um how's your wife or something makes a comment yeah and catches kevin costner like oh he knows i'm talking to the wife and this is the final screenshot i have just because i love mm. this shot it's just beautiful yeah Oh, it looks like you're about to service Kevin Costner. I mean, what? Um, <laughs> looks like you're about to give him dome. I mean, what? I like the dome in this shot. That's what I'm trying to say. To the cameraman, is that on like a handheld almost? And he'd be like, it's a hand up. job. I mean, um, yeah. handheld, yes. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, definitely like a little gilly situation uh, right yeah. there. And That's like, oh, he's got a little period, gilly. Sorry. Because of the period costumes, he's got a, like a really long zipper. Oh, like, he's got a really long something. Oh, <laughs> because and they like they look the clothes so accurate. Like the pants are those really baggy pleated nineteen thirties mm. pants, which were sort of in fashion, I guess, in the eighties as well. But the the costuming, Armani's costuming, um, it does really it doesn't really look dated because it's set in nineteen thirty. It's it's some really classy wardrobe. It's like tight yet baggy at the same time. Yeah, it was a. Like, yeah, it's got like an athletic look to the suits, but the pants are quite baggy and high. Like the way the they cut with this really high waist, mm. which you don't see really. Um, well, you kind of do in women's clothing, I guess. I have. Um... Hold on, I'm sorry. Can you hear me? Still? It's um. It's still here, yeah. Okay, I don't know why. But, um... Got three. I can't wait to get to the Connery sexy writing. Oh, yes, which I think we'll get to. Do you have anything else you want to cover, Dylan? Um, yeah, I'm just going through the rest of my notes. So I, I made a note. Yeah. Pagliacci is played by James Guthrie. Just the name sounded familiar, but it, I'm looking it up on IMDb. He has no other roles besides uh, chorus uh, tenor uh, in La Traviata. So I guess he, he must have been a tenor. A singer. Like a singer, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then my only other note is mm-hmm. here endeth the lesson yeah here ended the lesson which conry which which costa brings back 
yes, from yeah. Conry at the side of the film to Al Capone. Yeah, though I will say that little scene where he's like gloating to Capone, um, yeah. it, it, I feel like he's not a very good gloater. Mm. No, I'd I, be like gloating I, to somebody and like just yeah. saying a sentence where they're like, what did you say? And like, oh, I just said a sentence that it, yeah, a, I know. a phrase that I know is like, what? I don't. Is there some Ooh. importance to that? Thus ended the lesson. Mic drop. And Ooh. Capone's just like, yeah. what? What was any it's of that? Did anyone catch that. any of that? Because <laughs> apparently on the making of Brian De Palma says, like, really, Kef Costner was the better fit than, say, Mel Gibson because of the earnestness. And people describe it as Jimmy Stewart mixed with Gary Cooper. It's probably more Gary Cooper, I guess. In like you know, it's not a big dialogue person to say, but he's really he said he's really good at saying these forthright lines because some of them are pretty, like I don't know, corny, mm. but he sort of sells them. Mm. Yeah, and there yeah, I think thus- he's a little bit weak. Sorry. Thus endeth the lesson, or here endeth the lesson. Excuse me, is here a pretty corny lesson. line, but I also yeah, think that's a good some... that's a good one to wrap up our discussion and move into our ratings. I think. Yes, Ooh. guys at home, you guys know at the end of our discussion of the film, we go into our scores of the film. Of course, we have the S Hing, and of course the score of the musical score, the sexy rating, the score of the film itself, and the score of the man himself, Sean Connery. So we'll start off with our SH. Let me share the screen with you. Okay, here we go. The Untouchables. The SH. Mario? So, so SH... We, we, do we want to let them let, let our guests do uh, the ranking sure. first? Okay. Sure. Yeah, so we're ranking it out of 10... Out of ten, yep. yes. out of ten. But yeah. Mario, you were giving an explanation. Forgive me, I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh no, I'll I'll, yeah. hit, it. I'll hit it when I when I when I. That's my turn. Well, it's it's it, to me, it's almost the it's a perfect older Connery movie. It's a great film. Into like, I would say it's at least a nine. Like mm-hmm. I don't which nine like nine and a half. It's almost the perfect eighties uh, action period film, and mm-hmm. and probably the. Per- Almost the perfect older Conry film. Well, we're just rating the SH. Oh, so, so oh yeah, his accent. Yes, yeah, so oh, his accent, not so, the actual movie. No, no, oh. we'll get into that. This is just how thick the uh, the H is on when he said when he says a, a sentence with the letter S in it. How thick yes. is the H on that S? Uh, I reckon it's at least an eight. Eight? You're gonna give it an eight? Pretty up there. All righty, you're gonna give it an. There's eight, a few Mark. times because he's doing. A lot of large dialogue, like monologues. Yeah. Mm. Mario, what are you going to give it? With me, I think I was going to give it a nice seven. I think it's there. Yeah. I think it's definitely thick. Uh, you know, I'm going to give him kudos, though, because he is trying an accent. He's trying an Irish accent at some times, but you can yeah. tell he tried a little bit. He's like, oh, fuck this. I'm just going to keep on going with my usual voice. <laughs> and this continues on. And, yeah, it's definitely there. And, um uh, but it's not too too bad where I can't like understand anything. So seven is yeah. a good 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 spot, I believe. Yeah, seven. I would. Yeah. I think you you gents are being far too kind here. This is a nine. This is clearly a nine. In fact, I have a note here that I skipped just for this section. Even his shs have an extra h. He says <laughs> shut up, and it it sounds like there's eight h's in there. Yeah, I guess when you think about it, there's a lot. Yeah, there's a line he says, shut up, I'm working. And it. my note was, even his SH has an H. <laughs> yeah, because so Richard Gra- was it 
um, Richard Bradford is, well, I guess he's his friend with the white hair who always plays a heavy. Yeah, he says, oh, where are you going? Uh, the, the, cir- you go to the circus, are you? He's like at the uh, top of the morning Irish accent. And he's like, shut up, I'm working. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> All right, let's move on to our sexy rating. Uh, Ryan, you want to go? Out of 10, what are you giving the sexiness of both Sean Connery and this film as a whole? It's it's a very sort of sexy time period. Like, it's glamorous as well as it's violent. And Connery, it's interesting, like, because he he references I'm the old guy now, but he looks so good older. Mm. Like, and he's a bit, he is noticeably a little paunchy, I think, and I think that's something he wanted. But his face never changes. Like, it doesn't matter if Connery put on a few pounds. His face never really changed much, the shape. So yeah. I would say he's at least, he's definitely up there. He, he was Sexiest Man Alive not long after that, really. So probably, ooh, you don't want to say a nine, I reckon. Oh, wow. He wears a good cardigan, too. Ooh, he does look good in that cardigan. Mm. Yeah. Mario? I think he looks great in this movie, but I don't think this is a sexy movie. It's no. a cool movie. It is. It's, it's a so cool movie, cool. yeah. Uh, so you know, because it's not like I respect it. There's no like, there's not like a lot of like heavy, you know, sexual sexualized like women in it. It's like you only uh, see like one woman, really, like two women maybe in this movie. Patricia Clarkson so, and the mother of the girl of the that kid, dies. yeah, and, mm. and then the mom who is pushing the car, the carriage. Yes. Uh, all mothers, uh, but, all just distressed mothers. Yeah, so I'm like, I don't find this movie very sexy, but he looks tremendous. Uh, mm. So I think for that, I'll meet in the middle with a uh, a nice 7.5. Mm. Okay, I was going to give it a 5.5 because okay. I don't find this film very sexy at all. Yeah. Connery all, looks good. Cosmo looks say good. Six, Garcia yeah. looks beautiful. Andy Garcia looks amazing in this film. But He does look good, yeah. There's nothing sexy in this movie. Not, not one indication of sexiness nothing to to flaunt these beautiful main actors that they have yeah in retrospect it's probably glamorous is probably the more the better word it does look glamorous but Mm. but but like a flat glamour you know what i mean yeah very nice everyone's wearing beautiful amazing suits but it's not nothing's flashy yeah like casablanca like casablanca is a glamorous film probably still if you were watching but even though it's got a romantic what it's not really i don't call it a sexy movie mm. yeah all right so that wraps up our sexy rating let's go to our musical score the provided music. by one of the masters ennio morricone all right and what do you think for me 10 out of 10 10 it's a really great score hell yeah mario what do you got uh i, I really enjoyed it i thought it was really good i'm probably gonna give it um I think I'm gonna go eight with this one. I think it's it's very good, it's effective for the time. Yeah. Uh, it definitely felt. It didn't feel of the time period. It just felt of the time it was shot. Yeah. So yeah. I think that's what was kind of different. Like I, I didn't feel like you know because you you watch like The Godfather. I mm. feel like I'm in that time period. This one it felt like it was kind of like an '80s uh, treatment. 
Um, yeah, but it still was. It, it was still good to me, though. I, I thought it was really good, and it worked for the film. And it was a couple of like even the emotional scenes, even the music behind like the death scene of Connery, and then yeah. the last scene in the office. Uh, I think I think it works. So I think for that, I, I'll give it an eight because it made me feel something a little extra. There's My, some sensitivity to it, into mm -hmm. and in the right places. But the main theme, the title theme, with that thump of the drum, and then it kicks with the. It was like. I don't know what the instruments are, but it's like the kicking sound. That was a drumming. Mm. Oh, the hi hat thing. That yeah. is, yeah. Like when you, like even as a kid, seeing it, like I did go, "Geez, what's this?" Is like this is pretty. Cool. Mm. Mario, I'm gonna yeah. match you with an eight because Ooh. I really like this score. Mor Morricone has done some amazing scores, and this is not the last time we will hear him. We'll hear him again in mm. the Red Tent. Let's um, go. Uh, he also does a really good score for the thing, but his the, the score he's mm. most known for is the good, the bad, and the ugly. Nice, um, nice. But uh, I, this is a fantastic score. But I agree with you, Mario. There's some elements of it that are far too 1980s. You get some yeah. synth drums. Yeah, you know, some yeah, the stuff synth that drum. really sounds too 80s synth, which is a good aesthetic in and of itself, but it doesn't match this movie. Yeah, there's one scene, no. I, I forget, in in general, though, like of, of Elliot Ness, I think it's like after he's like, yeah, it's 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 it's, it's after the bust of like the umbrella thing. Yeah. And when he's kind of walking off and it's very like, you know, uh, what's what's the uh, what's the movie with Mel Gibson? Uh, lethal weapon, very lethal yeah, weapon, is. where it's just like, got to turn your badge in, kid. You know, like a son, and it's very eighties. And I'm like, I'm like, like saxophone, the yeah, saxophone, like, yeah, like a deep sax. I've got a piece yeah. here that reminds me of the eighties. Yeah, that. Oh yeah, look at that. This. Yeah, there's actually an electric drum. Yeah, the synth synth drums. It does not fit at all. Everything here is synthesizers. Even that, that's like, yeah, yeah. The, the, like, the horn, the trumpet sounds real, but the, the music does not fit at all. Yeah, it's like I'm watching this, I'm like, oh, this is cool. But then I'm like, every time I see like Al Capone and I, saw, I start seeing the cars and stuff, I'm like, wait a minute, this is not set in the 80s. You know, I keep forgetting this is Al Capone days. So mm. I'm like, you know, it, that, that takes me out of it. And sort of it, that, and like that music, it sounds like Phil Collins is doing the drumming a little bit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like it's no jacket required here in Collins. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All righty. So that's our score rating. Now we want to do the film rating or our Sean rating first. Phil, Ryan. What, Phil, uh, film. Oh well, let's, let's see what Ryan thinks. Sean or film first. Uh, so I do film. I reckon. All right. It's such an important movie. I mean, it's nine and a half at least. Yeah, nine and a half. From yeah, there. it's okay. it's it is a really good. It's probably a little slower than what we're used to now with an action thriller suspense. Film, but I like the pace of it. I never ever get bored watching it. Mm. Oh, yeah. uh, Mario? I, I agree with Ryan being a very important film, especially for us, uh, me and Dylan covering this mm. man in this podcast. Um, this is his his Emmy win film. Uh, Oscar. This is Oscar, Oscar. Sorry. Oscar. This is Oscar win. Yeah. Um, so I think this is very important just for the man himself. Uh, he, uh, we'll talk about him in a second, but like the mm. film, a lot of fun. Uh, a would watch again. Uh, I think it's a solid nine. Solid nine. Yeah. All righty. Well, boys, I'm sorry I'm going to let you down here. Uh -oh. I liked it plenty. Liked it? But I didn't like it that much. I'm going to give it a 7.5. Yeah. It's, there it's were some aspects that, that just didn't. It, 
it was a little flat for me at points. Um, the directing yeah, was beautiful. Why. The music was beautiful. Everything about it is beautifully done. Yeah. But for some reason, I just wasn't able to fully invest myself in it as much as I'd want to be. Um, again, the uh, lack of having a moral stance or just any kind mm. of stance or any kind of message on hypocrisy. Um, uh, De Niro's performance. Yeah. Um, some of the writing. The and that's plot, not to take oh, away from Dan, David Mamet, but that there's just parts of it that I, I didn't vibe with as much as I thought I would. Would so, you say there's some plot holes, like some things that don't quite add up? Um, no, huh? because because it was mostly a fictional story, I felt like they kept it kind of mm. tight. Um, why were there a plot hole that you caught? Well, I, I, no, they're more like I always wondered why would they pick. Uh, Oscar Wallace, Charlie Martin's mischaracter, to take the bookkeeper, like to be his bodyguard essentially. To me, that is, I know they needed him to probably die to get another emotional hit, but that to me doesn't really. I mean, I don't want to see Andy Garcia's character die, but they could have had him be the guy, yeah, mm. taking him. And he doesn't get killed, he gets wounded or something, and but the bookkeeper still gets killed. That would have worked for me personally better. Hmm, okay. I don't like. I don't, I don't think it's a plot hole, kill. but I, I think that just that's a preference rather than a plot. It's hole. a preference. I just think it's the easy kill. It's like oh, you have poor little Charlie Martin Smith, mm. you know, who's come to the front, you know, because he yeah. throws himself in the Canada scenes. Yeah. Um, in that thing where it's you know it's bonking the guy with the with the shotgun and you know, but then he just gets murdered. I think they could have done that a little bit better. That's my only real, you know, problem. Well, Fair enough. Well, yeah. the things that the things that keep the film's rating high and not going lower for me than a seven point mm. five are uh, Connery and Costner together, mm. Andy Garcia, and the uh, stairway sequence. Oh yeah, and the cinematography, beautiful cinematography. All right, let's move on to the Sean rating, shall we? The final rating of the evening, Ryan. Yes. Yes. His perform. We're talking performance. We're talking performance, his character performance. all around. Everything yeah. about the I, man. I reckon he, it's it's such a good like he's really like he's pushing it in the dialogue scenes, but he's never hamming it up. No, it's never. a really good performance. I mean, yes, he attempted a little bit of an Irish accent, but some movies that you just don't need it. So and it doesn't distract me when he slightly does it, um, and I don't hold it against the performance. Well, I reckon he's gone in the film. Well, I can see why I won the Oscar. It's definitely in a nine and a half. It's a, I would almost put ten, because, but I'd say nine and a half. All right. His performance and him in the film and the mentorship he has with all the main characters. It's his best. I think it's his best mentor role. Okay. Okay. Well, we'll we'll determine that by the end of the podcast for sure. Yeah. Mario, what are you giving him? What are you giving our boy? Mario? Ten. Oh. Big decision. I didn't know if you had disappeared there because I can't see the other screen. You giving him a ten? Ten. I think this is he's yeah, tremendous. So, I love him in this. Yeah. He it's is just, so good. Especially, you know, again, Oscar nominated. 
victory. He, he yeah. won this, and he looks. If you look at the picture of him, I think it's on the IMDb of him. He's very proud of getting this. Look at him, like, like uh, picture somewhere. Stands up uh, with the Oscar at the ceremony. I never saw it because I was well, it's only it's only made up. There it is. Up. Yeah, look, look how happy he looks. He was That's... very happy. <laughs> and we're here. Can got a full new, beard now. Can I have um, a new picture for the uh, wheel? That's yeah. a pretty good photo. I want that uh, his, that face on the wheel because he looks so like. He was yeah. very proud at the time. He always spoke about I'm proud of getting the Oscar. Like uh, he was a self trained actor, never took acting lessons, started in theater stuff, and then he probably really you can see him develop as an actor even in the Bond film. So he must have been pretty. He was pretty chuffed that he actually got it. An Oscar. Not, a supporting his first, role, not his first barbecue. Which is more of a character. It's a character category. Yeah. Character well, Mario, I'm going to match you. I'm going to give him a 10. Let's go. Yeah. He he wins this movie. I say I almost went 10. Do you want to? Nothing's oh, happening. Yeah, Ooh, I'll go 10 as well. We haven't had a triple 10 since uh, Last Crusade. And even then, we yeah. took it to a 10.1. Yeah, I would say I'll, I'll change. Because he's pretty much a 10. Like, I haven't seen Humper up over straight through for a while, but he, he'd be a 10 in almost. He's got a, around this era, he was just on fire. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is his, really his renaissance here. Yeah. Yeah. So, 10s across the board for us. So, let's go do our averages here. We've got our average SH is an 8. Our average sexy is a 7.33. Our average musical score is an 8.66. Our average film rating is an 8.66, and our average Sean rating is a 10 for our total Sean rating of 8.53. Let's go. That's a good That's a good score. Indeed yeah. it is. Tremendous. And, uh, is it, you know, it's a, but it's interesting, like, the, the main thing I take away is Conry, the mentor, and mentoring everybody, and just the relationship he gets going with everyone, and obviously Costner. Because Costner's character, like he's supposed to be like in his early thirties, like Costner, and I think even Costner himself, he went to Connery in real life as a mentor. I think he very much saw him as a mentor. Mm. And that's when you need, like, I'm in my thirties. I mean, like, you know, you sort of, I feel like you get, I've sort of gotten somewhere. I'm not, you know, hugely successful, but I feel I need more mentors now because I feel like you get somewhere, and then it's like, well, how do you actually do this? So I could re- I can relate to Costner going, geez, I'm gonna crash and burn if I don't get an older figure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I can see why because you do like you sort of don't know you don't know everything. Yeah, if, yeah, yeah. Of course. Yeah. But, you, all right. Struggle, yeah. yeah. But all, all right. right. So guys, that was our discussion of. Yeah. 1987's The Untouchables. The Untouchables. So that yeah, leaves really us one more thing. To oh, do here, Brian. Uh, if you if you look in your yeah. Zoom chat, you'll see a little link you can click that will yeah. take you to the tremendous wheel of curiosities. Where, oh, yes. sir, you cool. get the honor of spinning the wheel. Don't this click week. on it right. yet. Don't, Don't click, click on it yet. Yeah, it's very it's very sacred. You can only be spun very... once. <laughs> yes, we've had that mistake once. So if you're able to share your screen, we can. I'll watch share you. my screen. Yes, oh, please. Now, before we, we uh, spin, we usually we look at what's left. and um, It's getting smaller and smaller, man. Like, it's it's scary. Yeah. I just got to bring it up. So, Mario, what are you hoping to see? 
And what are you not hoping to see? I don't know. You might disagree with me here, man, but I'm in the mood for another Bond. I I don't disagree Mm. with you. Like, I don't know. one. We we only have two that we can pick feasibly. Yeah. 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 Because if we do Thunderball, then we have to do Thunderball and Never Say Never Again back to back. Mm. And when we have Diamonds, then we can just do a standalone. I think I want Diamonds because we do have some very fun guests lineup, Mm. two guests lineup for that episode. Um, so I think, yeah, I think I'm, I'm leaning towards diamonds or forever. My, my, but I love, yeah. and Russia love, but I love diamonds because of the campiness and how ridiculous mm. it is. Obviously it's a, it's a terrible time for him. Screen. Yep. And that should be able to yeah. pop up for It's us. funny you say diamonds are forever. I reckon I saw that as a kid. I reckon I was six, must've rented it from a video shop. And I, I remember I was in grade prep. And I must have did a drawing of Conry. He's in a limousine in the film at one point, going to the funeral. And I actually oh, yeah. drew that and really? must have shown my teacher. And I, I, I had, must have had it. And I look back and I'm looking at this stuff like I was a little older going, yeah, I was watching Bond films. And, and actually, I actually got the teacher to write, well, what, he's just learning to write, James Bond on it. I was aware of James Bond at six years old. Oh, wow. Look at that. That's mm. tremendous. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. So I think yeah. I, think, right, so I want sh- diamonds, or I don't want a documentary. Of course, we have like one more documentary. All right, um, I'm sharing let's, the let's screen. See. We've got the bowler and the bonnet. Beautiful, okay. awesome. Um, right. We've got the bowler and the bonnet, which I'm I, I'm excited for that one because our buddy Eric wants to join us on that. Yeah. Um, I think the Dream Factory is a documentary. Mm. It might um, be ever to excel. Espana Campo de Golf. Yeah. Um, so at least which, two. Actually, you know what? While we're on that subject, I just want to see if we can actually find Espana Campo de Golf because I have a feeling that's going to be another one that we are not going to be able to to track well, we down. Can, we'll look. We'll look at it afterwards. Or something. Yeah. Um, there's some um, good choices still. There's some a lot of films still. I mean, yeah. It's funny we right? did a lot. Did a lot of documentaries. Yeah, yeah. We, anything that he was in, like yeah, like the Edinburgh one was yeah. fun, and it, the uh, they had he had the goal one, which is about the World Cup in the nineties. Mm. Uh, so yeah, interesting. No, one that was there. in the eighties. Was it eighties? Yeah. Or no, wait, was it seventy four? Mm. Hold on. No, the World Cup was like ninety something, wasn't it? Like ninety five, I thought. Goal mm. was in. Hold on. Eighty early eighties. Nineteen eighty three. Eighty three. My bad. Uh, about the eighty two World Cup. Oops. Yeah. Okay. Um, I would really like Hunt for Red October or Time Bandits. That's what mm-hmm. I'm hoping for. Just be. I love on... to hear Hunt for Red October. Yeah, mm. that that movie's so good. And Time it, Bandits even... because I'm just excited for that guest as well. Like we're gonna have a good guest yeah. for Red October, but yeah, they, yeah, I'm so excited for both of those films. Um, I wouldn't mind Entrapment because I remember mm. when it came out. Like it's that. So, see, a lot of these films have memories because. I was a Memories kid, like there were new movies. Um, mm. Catherine Zeta-Jones obviously being, you know, this huge sex symbol at the time. Mm. And like being aware of that, even as a younger kid, like like I haven't gone through puberty at that stage, um, but actually being aware that this is like the new beautiful woman. Oh, mm. Like you could not be or not aware of that fact. And I've heard nothing um, but good things about that film too. So It's, it's good. It, again, it is of its time, like released in 99. Um, but Connery looks fantastic in that film. Mm. That's my, oh, yeah. If you've got to rate hair pieces, that was a 10 out of 10. Okay. All right. 
All right. Well, I'm I'm hoping for, for entrapment or I, even Never Say Never Again. Well, if we get Never Say Never Again, we're going to do Thunderball and Never Say Never Again. It's a, it's oh, a yeah, that's a good idea, actually. Double yeah. double pack there, the same movie. Yeah, all right, all right, all right Ryan. All right, um, so wait, wait, before you click, don't you can't click yet. We yeah. gotta we gotta do the chant that allows the wheel to commune with reality. Yeah. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time to spin. Say it with us, Ryan. The Say it with us at, at home, folks. Wheel, wheel of, of Spin it. Yes. Here we go. Okay. Here we go. 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 Oh, Highlander 2. Highlander 2. Okay. But we had a rule here, right? We had a rule. Mario, we discussed this before, I believe. Rather than do Highlander 2, we're going to do Highlander 1 and leave Highlander 2 on the wheel. So put it back on the wheel. Yeah, I would do that. Yeah, Yeah. I don't want to go into a sequel first. No. No. And the first film's so much better than the second one, in my opinion, a lot of other people's opinion. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, all right, so I'm excited for that man, Sean yeah, Connery. Yeah, watch Highlander. Yeah, and you got Highlander. Queen, Queen doing the songs. Yeah, I know. That's, that's what that's, I'm super excited. That's for. what everyone yeah. keeps saying is like, it's gonna be exciting to watch because there's a lot of Queen in there. I'm like, yeah, a lot of Queen. I'm, I'm in. And I found um, the director's cut, in. so we'll watch that. Yeah, which I heard is actually, the superior version. That's another film that, like, my dad's Scottish, but he's also was in like really into martial arts and and um, he used to do fighting with swords, like blunt swords. He used to do all that sort of training, so he was really into Highlander when I was oh, a kid. Man. Mm. Yeah, and, also, and in fact, it is a good Scottish movie too. We're going from one film where Connery plays a mentor to another film another. where Connery plays a mentor. I think Let's it's go. probably the first time he did that because I think uh, I haven't seen that in the name of the Rose. I believe he's a bit of a mentor in that, which came before maybe Highlander. But nope, right after. Highlander is him starting that journey mm. to I'm the older, you know, I, I can still cut the mustard, but I'm the older guy. Mm. Can still cut yeah. the mustard. Cutting he's got mustard. really cool hair in it. You think he's still got a bit of a ponytail thing. Why like did you freeze man. the mustard? Now I have to <laughs> cut it. He looks really fit in Highlander too. It, like, well, not Highlander 2, in Highlander. Yeah, he well. looks just super fit, like in that film. Well, I'm excited to watch it. Yeah, yeah and he's got gonna... the mustache, but with the little goatee. Ooh, boy. Ooh, another oh. facial hair. For a mustache ride. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, so uh. we may ha- we may possibly have a guest. I just bit my cheek. Ow. Ow. We may possibly <laughs> have a guest. We'll see. Let's but, go. Uh, Ryan, oh, it's be been a, a blast having you on. Yeah. Anything you want to uh, plug before you go? No, just that, like, I've, I've got a kind of film style. You can find me on... Instagram and I just put stuff mostly stuff I'm interested in. Sometimes it's like clothes from film or just interesting stuff. Really, it's more what I'm interested in. And if other people are interested in it, you know, there's a lot of James Bond, Connery stuff. Yeah, you um, built up a little following there. Yeah, I have built up a little following. So yeah, I, I mean stuff I'm interested in. If other people are interested in, it, that's you know that's a, great as well. Hell yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean I reckon I've been following you guys since you started. Well, thank you. Really? Well honored. Well, yeah, yeah, I reckon. Yeah, I've been. I listened to quite a few of the earlier episodes. I try to get to them, but it's it's hardest things with life and work. Oh yeah, kids. we hear you. Yeah. We produce them. 
Yeah, well, yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, one of the things with this podcast, it's like it's one of those things where you can go back to it at any point, yeah. ever. Yeah, and I have. I've re-listened to some of them as well. I think I've listened to First Night twice. Oh, well, thank you. Really? Oh, okay. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a fun. That's a fun one for us. Yeah, we. Yeah, like, I've got to rewatch that episode. That movie. Excuse me. Yeah. Richard Gere, Richard Gere's got brown hair in it, and he's yeah. like pretty gray by that stage. And they're like, "We're gonna make him look like he's thirty-five. Like, oh, he's, he's gonna be, he's, he's gonna be the knight. He's gonna be the knight." But he wasn't Army. that old. The he wasn't knight. that old. At that. Mm-hmm. He was like what forty-four when he made it. But he looks really fit. He, he looks very good in that film. Yeah, he really leaning man. It's like, oh, we'll put a brown rinse through his head. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, before we all start gushing about our favorite male actors of the '90s. We could let's, do that. Uh, let's wrap it up, huh? What do you say? Yeah. All right. So, guys. Thanks, guys, for having me. Of, yeah, course, of course, Ryan. It's been an absolute blast. Thank you for wanting to come on and joining us. You've been Anytime. a blast. Anytime. And, of course, uh, listeners, uh, we will be back next week. And Sean Connery will return in Highlander 1. This is very exciting. We've been talking about this film for a long time. Uh, mm. But until then, we've been... Sorry, let me try to do that again. <laughs> until then, I've been Mario Lima. I've been Dylan Titus. And I'm Ryan Hall. And as always, folks, stay curious. Yes. You've been listening to Connery Curious, a Titus Compositions and Friggeners Media podcast. Follow us on social media for updates, memes, and clips. Find us on Twitter at CuriousPod007 and on Instagram at Connery Curious. You can also visit Titus Compositions at Titus Compositions to hear other podcasts and original music, watch music videos, or even pick up a great vinyl record. For more discussion and content about your favorite films, comics, games, and a network for all things nerdy, visit Friggin' Nerds Media on Twitter, at Friggin' Nerds. You can rate, review, and share the podcast in-app, which helps us grow the show and reach the other curious conneries out there. Thanks for spending time with us, and have a great day, but also, remember, stay curious.